1: And we are back, Irish Breakdown Nation, IB Nation. Welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Thursday, December 1st. We have turned over another month, Ryan. Man, I got to tell you, we're getting pretty close to the date when I first offered you the job and you accepted. And we're a little over a month away from when you actually started. But man, what a year it has been. Fired up to have you on board, Ryan. This is going to be kind of our first full. Off season together, our first signing day together. I'm very excited about that. And boy, I got to tell you, Ryan, there's a lot going on here, man. Like this year has gone by fast, but it's like we have no time to celebrate. We just had our uh, this past month on our on our podcast platform. We went over three million view downloads for the year, which is more than double what we had in 2021. We had our second biggest month ever on the web website. The only month that was bigger was the month, kind of the transition from Kelly to Freeman for obvious reasons. It's we're rolling y'all. And and uh we're hoping to have some really exciting things come down the pike for y'all. That's just going to make our content even better. So we're really, 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 really excited about that. So Derek Calmer owes us 50 bucks. He said that we were going to get started at uh two Oh four. So I was like, we're just sitting there kind of waiting. You know, we, I want, I, I do want to kind of joke about, it. I do want to explain to people, uh, right. We try to give it a little bit of time. Sometimes it's late like, because we have things going on, but sometimes, you know, we want to. It's kind of like when you're listening, uh, you know, to a, a show on the radio driving around in a car. There's like a, it doesn't really start it till like 103 because you got to listen to the, you know, the commercials. We just want to give people time to get on board, right? Make sure that everybody's in before we get rocking and rolling. But uh, we're always here. <laughs> we're just kind of doing our last minute show prep. And Ryan, today's show is going to be a lot of fun because we are going to talk the transfer portal. I don't even know if fun is the right word. It's going to be wild.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: We're going to dive into the portal and we're going to discuss, I'm going to do something that I originally didn't plan on doing just because stuff is kind of already out there. Mm -hmm. And what I had said at the beginning was I wasn't going to really talk about players that aren't in the portal. But at quarterback, there's just so much out there that that's just kind of known that it's like I'm not putting anybody on blast. I'm not ruining a kid's moment. It's already out there. So we're going to talk about all that. What we're going to do today is we're going to begin by looking at Notre Dame's transfer needs. The positions that we could see Notre Dame looking, the positions that we would look if we were in Notre Dame shoes. And then we'll dive into the quarterback portal. We will talk about guys that are in the portal now that we like. Uh, some maybe we don't like a lot. Some that we're kind of in di- you know, that we have difference of opinions on. And then we'll tell you kind of where we think you know no, where where our intel is telling us maybe Notre Dame is looking right now. And then we'll talk about some other kids that are going to be uh, potentially jumping in the portal here soon. Because after championship week, it is going to get wild. There is going to be some names jumping the portal. You are like, what? Why is that guy jumping in the portal? So it's gonna be wild, and so that's what we're gonna dis- discuss today, Ryan. But I-, I gotta admit, it's fun and it's entertaining, or it's entertaining. But I absolutely hate, hate that this is what college football's turned into. I, I hate it.
3: It's free agency now, Brian. I mean, it's like we're covering NFL football. Like this is literally what no, it is. no,
1: because in NFL football you have contracts you have to honor. Well, that's the difference. It's fair. That's you sign fair. a four year contract. You actually have to earn, you know, honor that four year contract. Sure, you don't get to leave sure. the first time your feelings get hurt or somebody else makes you a better offer. That's called tampering. And it, yes. and it gets significant punishment in the NFL. And college is like, <laughs> whatever.
3: It's so funny. I, I remember yesterday on the message board, you sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com. I put a uh, just a portal name to know that I know that Notre Dame is going to have some interest in. And, of course, Brian, the first thing someone asks is, like, are they allowed to reach out to guys already? I'm just like, look.
1: <laughs> well, it's technically he, that player's a a a graduate. Yes, already yes. graduated from college. Yeah, so his situation is a little bit different. But sure. to your point, it doesn't matter anymore. It, it's it, been
3: happening for weeks for yeah. most of these kids, and months for for some, I'm sure. But it's it's a weird off season, Brian, because especially quarterback, we know know we know how important that position is, and I know we're going to get into that heavy in this show. But there's a lot of mixed emotions in this off season right now because it's mm-hmm. it's chaos right like i would just call it chaos it feels chaotic it feels like it's moving fast because there's a lot of moving parts i mean it was like two it was like last week maybe monday or tuesday there was already 1500 players that had entered yeah. the transfer portal it's just wild to just try to keep track of everything you know and then you add into the fact of like there's also some anxiousness because Notre Dame is going to be active in at quarterback and a couple other spots so of course we're maintaining Our due diligence to try to figure out, you know, who's a potential target, who makes sense, who would fit, who's a graduate, all those type of things on the back end. So not only is there chaos, there's also anxiousness on our end. And then it's also like hysteria, too, is another word that I would kind of throw out there. It's just like because some of the names they're already hearing that may enter the portal, it's just like, really? Why? Why Why would I do that? Right. Why? And And then you find out, oh, NIL. That's why. And it is gonna, yeah. it's gonna flip the landscape upside down on its head for a couple of days, man. Like, I yeah. folks out there, I know we have 413 people live with us live right now, and I would say this: it is going to. Wow, we just jumped up a lot in like yeah. a second there. That was fantastic. But <laughs> it's for people that are listening to us live right now. I'm telling you right now, in a couple of weeks, there is a couple of players that are going to be hitting the portal that are going to make you your jaw drop instantly. Right. Like this is going to be. I said this the other day, Brian, and I fully believe it. This is going to be the wildest offseason that we have seen to date because now NIL is out there in the open, right? Like it's it's got out there last year, but like this year, people I think have a better understanding of how to take advantage of it, how to get around the rules, do all that type of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So you have NIL tied in with the transfer and portal. Some aren't and- trying to
1: get around the rules. Some are just blatantly doing it because they know the NCAA will do nothing about it. Sure, nothing true. and so other schools can't narc on them because they're doing it. Like that's the thing. It's like because now they're forced to do it. If we don't do it, then we're gonna be left standing like, out in the cold with no, you know, all by ourselves. I mean, it it's it's disgusting, and yeah. it's uh, but it's the it's the reality of what football has yeah. turned into because the adults in the room refuse to do anything about it, and they're the ones that created this mess to begin with, because or cowards who never cared about kids and their lack of caring about kids and their lack of respect to the game and their mm-hmm. obsession with money, only money, only money only has put them in this corner. They did it yeah. to themselves. Mm-hmm. And the people that were, you know, that were supposed to be stewards of the game are the ones that are destroying the game, in my opinion. And I have nothing wrong. I have no problem with there needing to be an expanded transfer operation. We've talked about that. I hated the old system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the new system is worse. And then when you combine it with a completely unfettered, unregulated NIL situation, it's just made college football really dirty. And it's always been dirty, but at least teams had to keep their dirtiness under the table. Mm -hmm. Now it's just out in the open and being flaunted. And I don't think that's good for kids. I don't think that's good for the game. I I don't think that's good for anybody, but that's the reality we live in. And we're not going to spend the whole show talking about that, right? If you have a last comment, you can make it, but It it is what it is. I applaud the Notre Dame coaching staff for saying we can't avoid it. We can't Mm -hmm. ignore it. We have to embrace it in the way that best works for our institution. And so far, that's what Notre Dame is doing. Now, they are limited relative to what they can do with other schools. There's going to be some big-name guys jumping to the portal. People are like, oh, why doesn't Notre Dame go after that guy? Because the only reason that kid who had the production he had this year is in the portal is because somebody's paying him. And Notre Dame's not going to do that. And you can complain about it and cry about it and say that they should. That's all fine. You're allowed to have that opinion. But they're not. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're not going to use it as an – now, they'll tell the kid, hey, look, here's what the kids on our team are getting. But they're not going to put a package together to entice a kid to come. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I I really am okay with that.
3: Yeah. Well, I I was just going to say, Brian, the last note was I talked to a – director of player personnel at a group of five school yesterday that I'm pretty good friends with. And we were talking about the transfer portal a little bit. And basically his remarks were exactly what you just said. They're forced to play the game now. Right. And it's, he's at a group of five school. It's not like they have a bunch of money to throw around right in the NIL side of everything, but it's unfortunate that, and I could tell just kind of talking to him that he hates it. You know, like the landscape has been forced upon a lot of people, but unfortunately with how the game is right now and how the NCAA, you know, isn't doing anything to have restrictions of any, t- of any sort, these teams, all these programs need to do it, need to play to this landscape in order to survive in order to do well, in order to keep the maintain the roster construction. So it is unfortunate in a lot of ways, but you know, obviously we're going to, Notre Dame is going to acquire some good talent this offseason, which will be the exciting part. But to your point, it is a mess. And it's not going to get better anytime soon.
1: Yeah. So, Ryan, let's dive into the portal, man. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about where Notre Dame has needs. And, and you know, we'll, we, we can sort of begin by reminding people that Notre Dame's primary objective when it comes to building their roster, from what we see, from what we talk to, the things that we hear talking to sources, they are going to be a high school driven program. They are. And we'll get into some of the roster shakeup that we expect to happen moving forward. But it's more about it's not about purging a bunch of kids to open up 15 portal options, it's about getting the roster in a healthy place. Now, there, there are going to be some portal options here, Notre Dame, but they are going to always be like you're going to see if kids jump in the portal from Notre Dame or other things happen where those kids are not on to count towards the 85 anymore, which we'll get to in a little bit. You're going to see then Notre Dame say, "Okay, cool. There's this kid we wanted in 2023 that we didn't have room for, that we're going to try to go get now." There's that gives us oh snap, that gives us extra room next year in 2024, which is also why you're going to see Notre Dame more focused on the grad transfer portal at most positions as opposed to the undergrad portal because you're getting those stop gaps and then you can still use that scholarship for the 2024 class. And that's kind of where you're going to see Notre Dame. There's still going to be a high school driven team, a development team, a, a we're going to build our culture and our culture is going to be in the way we develop kids over two, three, four years. And the Matt Bayless system is going to beat your free agent team. When we get the program where we need to get it. That's what, that's what the philosophy is for Marcus Freeman in this coaching staff, but there are going to be holes that need to be filled at times. Mm-hmm. And we're going to use those holes. We're going to fill those holes at times with the transfer portal at times, hopefully with a five-star kid. Hey, should Notre Dame look at safety for, uh, you know, grad transfer, for transfer? No, because they got, there's not a dude in the portal that to me is going to bring more value to your secondary next year than Peyton Bowen, right? That's like, so there's going to be those conversations as well. Now, sometimes you don't have that type of situation at a position and you need to go the portal route. And that's kind of where Notre Dame is at. So there are some positions of need. We'll get to quarterback last, Ryan, because that's where a lot of the oxygen is going to be spent. Let's get to a couple other positions. Wide receiver is one right now as well. Notre Dame at the present moment will only be bringing back four scholarship receivers next year at the present moment. It would not shock me to see that number change. And Mm -hmm. just leave it at that. We'll have some updates on the message board over the next couple weeks. It would not shock me. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It would not shock me if at some point in time over the next month if that number doesn't change. There's four kids coming in from the 2023 class and they're trying to land Caleb Smith tonight, which would be five. Notre Dame is flat out going to depend on the 2023 receiver class to help out as freshmen, but they're not also, they're also not in a position where I think they're going to be comfortable saying the entire depth chart is going to be freshmen. Mm -hmm. They are going to be in the portal, Ryan, looking for receivers. And they're going to be looking for two types. One is a proven impact player. And two is a kid that can provide some depth and, some, I mean, the impact player is both because then other guys turn into depth, but it could also be just a veteran kid who's going to be part of the rotation that's going to come in and, and help give you numbers and and at least a little bit of a okay we know we can trust this kid to do this and if somebody beats him out great but if not we know this kid can do this uh, right. so I think receiver is certainly a position that I fully expect and we're not going to drop any names yet but there's already some some you know some players that we think once they hit the portal you'll see Notre Dame go after them. Cause the one thing you can do as a coaching staff is you can start doing digging on, you can start watching film. You can start kind of, you know, talking, you know, looking at where the kid came from high school and doing some of those, those type of things that are allowed and recommended to say, Hey, once the portal hits, we've done all the film breakdowns we need. We can start immediately start diving into transcripts, academics, talking to the kids, all that kind of stuff. And so there, that when we say that there's interest, that's what we're referring to. It's a kid that, has announced he's going to enter the portal that Notre Dame is doing their homework on once that becomes official, which I think is what, Monday, Sunday night, Monday, right, is when it becomes official. Mm -hmm. So that way Notre Dame will kind of have, well, here's who we want, now let's go, right? Right. And so receiver is certainly one where we believe Notre Dame is doing a lot of research to see if there's a kid that would fit into what what they're looking for from an offensive standpoint.
3: Well, Brian, let, let me uh, open up the conversation to this and ask you kind of a follow-up question to that because I know we've talked about it a little bit, but just for clarity for people because I feel like we hyper-focus a lot about fit at wide receiver and for good reason, right? Like you need to make sure that the wide receiver group fits well together and they accentuate each other's strengths, all that good stuff, right? I guess the question that many people will ask is what type of receiver are they going to be looking at? You said there might be a high-impact there might be a de- more of a depth piece conversation, but are we looking for a, if you're Notre Dame, are you looking for a more of a slot type that can kind of do some stuff after the catch, be a little more dynamic? Are you looking for an outside receiver to kind of help with depth there? I guess the, the starting point for me would be just for people's clarity. Where do you think that they were going to go as far as
1: what type of wide receiver that Notre Dame should look at? I think that when you look at what they've got on the current roster and what they're going to bring in, I think you're going to see them focus more on speed and route running and a guy that can kind of work open. They're going to have Tobias Merriweather. They're going to have Deion Colsey. From what I've been what I've been able to gather, talking to various sources, the only the only concern they've ever had about Deion is he hasn't really been healthy for a lot of his Notre Dame career, and it's little nagging things. Right. Once he got healthy in the middle of the season. Took him Looks a while good. to get him into the into the rotation. But once they did, he looked good, and they loved what they saw from him. You know, some of the questions that maybe they had were answered. And he stepped up, and Dion was faced with a with basically an option middle of the year, an internal option. You know, I'm sure he was not happy about he wasn't going to playing time. I'm sure he wasn't happy about the injuries. He could have done one of two things. I'm not playing, so I'm going to go pout, and I'm going to be mad, and I'm going to sulk and I'm going to still not play, and at the end of the year, I'm going to leave. That was option number one. Option number two is, I want to play. I know I'm good enough to play. I'm going to go show you that I need to play. And he did, and he got his opportunity against Syracuse, and he stepped up and made plays. And every single time Deion Colsey was counted on to make a play, and it wasn't a lot, he only had nine catches, he stepped up huge. And that answered a lot of questions that maybe some people might have had about, Does he have what it takes to be great? Now, he's got the tools. Now it's about taking that next step. But there's a lot of people excited about that. And I know Tobias Merriweather only caught one pass. I get it. And we could spend an entire show or two talking about whether he should or should not have played more this year. But what I can say for certain is there's a lot of people at Notre Dame that think that kid has a chance to be a star. And not just me. Right? Everybody knows I do. But there, so there's a lot of excitement about that. You've got Braylon James, who the staff loves. You've got Jaden Greathouse, who the staff loves. They're big guys. I think what they're kind of looking for is, is number one. Now, if there's a big guy out there that's a dude, like if Dante Thornton was a name that people brought up, I'll just use him as an example. I don't think Notre Dame's looking at him because I think he's looking for other things that Notre Dame's not going to offer, right? If Dante Thornton called up Notre Dame and said, hey, I'm interested I think they would certainly look at him because he's talented and they want talent and he would fit what they do with the X and the boundary. You could have a three man outside rotation of him, Tobias and, and Dion, that would be nasty. Right. And so they would look at that, Ryan, but they would also look at a guy who's six foot, six one, five eleven. 11. That's a great route runner. That's good after the catch. That can get open and do those type of things as well. Yeah. And I think, and and I believe, and, and I'm still trying to learn this one. I believe that, the I I believe I believe this, and I'm still trying to learn if Notre Dame believes this. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if this is what Tommy Reese believes. This is what I believe: that the 2018 alignment is sort of the ideal for Notre Dame in this style of offense, which is big dudes outside that can run mm-hmm. and take the top off the defense, win contested throws, and a really dynamic route runner in the slot, which yeah. is what Chris Fink was. And then, of course, you're going to have talented tight ends, which in 2018 you had in. You had Alizé Mack, Cole Komet, Brock Wright. You were loaded there in 2018. And that's where I think they'd like to be. Now, you can have a rotation where you can have a 6'1 route runner that rotates in outside as well, like a Rico Flores, that kind of guy. But I think that's kind of the ideal type of situation. And, and if you're going to be an outside guy, you got to be a really sharp route runner and have good ball skills. So I think those are the different types. But they've got the size. I think it's the other, st- the other type that there's – There's just not, I mean, it's Lorenzo Styles is really it on the current roster. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Rico Rico Flores could do some of that early on, but he's now got a foot injury he's got to deal with, right? So Mm -hmm. that raised some question. If they get Caleb Smith, he can do a lot of that. And then you've got Dylan Edwards, who would be learning the receiver position, right? So I think that would be an area where there'd be a lot of interest is more of that type of player, right? And it makes
3: total sense because like you said, Brian, there, there's, a, there's a lot of – there's going to be a lot of size at wide receiver next season, like a tremendous – because, I mean, I think people people don't really grasp, I think, enough the fact that next year if Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather do take that step forward, you have two 6'4 plus guys outside who can all stretch the field. I mean, Tobias' lone catch of the season was a 40-plus yard touchdown, right? Deon Colsey has shown that he can be that 50-50 ball guy down the field and just extend and – be A springy athlete, and then you have, but even your slot options right now are a little bit of bigger guys, right? I mean, you're talking about Jaden Thomas, who's six one and a half, 215 pounds, like he's a big kid. You have guys like Jaden, Jaden Greathouse coming in that's six 210. You have Braylon James, who is going to be six three, probably 190 plus as a freshman. And then you have still, I mean, your smallest guys at wide receiver, not counting Dylan Edwards, who's a little bit of a different, different breed, right? As of now. Is you're going to have a 6'1, 195 pound Lorenzo Styles, and Rico Flores is roughly the same size, right? So you do have a very big wide receiver group. So I, I think for me, just I asked the question because I think that that is what's missing in a volume perspective in this roster, right? Is that guy that can kind of make people miss in space, that can make that can do some stuff after the catch, that can be a dynamic route runner. Like there's not a ton of that on this roster right now. I think that Lorenzo can do some of those things right I think that coming in Dylan Edwards when he figures out the position can do a lot of those things I think Rico can do some of those things but to your point getting a player that kind of fits that mold because people have always asked like why doesn't Notre Dame run more screens why don't they run more RPOs and the answer might be and I I don't fully accept it, because I think there are players on Notre Dame's roster that can do it but the 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 conversation might be, well, maybe we don't have the ideal player for that role. So as you look at wide receiver, there's a lot of things to be really excited about because you have four talented players that are set to come back in 2023 on the roster, plus an additional four, maybe five, if Caleb Smith declares, uh, if commit if he commits another game tonight. So there's a lot to be hopeful for. But to your point, Brian, I think that this is an opportunity to not only get a little more experience, not only get a little more pro- uh, past production but to also get a kid that can fit maybe a mold that you don't have right now.
1: So it's going to be interesting to see how Notre Dame really targets wide receiver. And maybe provide some leadership, right? That's the other part of it too. It is, so I think those are the kind kind of kids that you're going to see them look for at wide receiver. Before we move on to the next position, I do want to just address that. First of all, I want to. there's a lot of people saying they're listening to the live show today because they're not feeling well. And it is that time of the year where the bugs are going around. So all of you that are not feeling good, pray that you all feel better and uh, we'll do our best to entertain you while you're kind of hanging out at home. The other thing I want to address is I addressed it yesterday, but there's people asking about it again from Jen and well played Brian on the start time. I have to ask why no hat this week? Uh, I explained a little bit yesterday and for those who didn't hear it yesterday, I completely understand because our shows are pretty long. I have been dealing with a really just bad migraines all week. And so my head is kind of throbbing. And when I put hats on, um, it really hurts and it's just very uncomfortable. And so that's why now I'm powering through the show because I love doing the show and I didn't want to miss shows this week because it's going to be a big week, but, uh, that's why I have not been wearing a hat to, uh, this week. I will get back to wearing hats. I promise. I love wearing hats. Ryan knows this, uh, but at least this week Ryan, I can put to, to bed the rumors that some people said that I wore a hat cause I was bald or balding. <laughs> I'm not I have a nice head of hair little getting a little bit gray here you know but you yeah. know i have i have plenty of hair i just love, i love wearing hats i was a baseball player growing up and i just i've always been a like i've told you this ryan if i was a perfect world i could live somewhere where i could wear jeans hoodie and a hat 75 percent of the year i'd <laughs> Be a happy guy. So I just wanted to make sure that's clear again so we can kind of all move on from And, and if
3: anybody's section. wondering about me, I got a haircut last week, so I'd like to you know, show it off sh- a little Yeah,
1: bit, as much so. as you pay for that haircut, you better show it off a little bit, man. Jeez the This
3: is a $21 <laughs> haircut, my friends. Yeah, this Ooh,
1: was a, a five-minute haircut. It didn't cost <laughs> me anything except five minutes of my own time. So uh I guess, I guess I need
3: to move to South Bend and then get my personal barber Brian Driscoll.
1: Then yeah, you don't want to do that. You <laughs> want to do that. I mean, you can you can save money on that, buddy. You can just I mean you can move to South Bend if you want. It's definitely cheaper to live here, but uh, I don't think your parents or the family would like that too much. Brian, I think another because I want to kind of dive back into the the football part of that, if you don't mind. Yep. The other position I think that that I personally think Notre Dame will and should look at is defensive line. Now, we had a bit of an interesting conversation yesterday. I do know that Notre Dame is going to have their eye out for an edge player, but I really believe that Notre Dame needs an interior player that can come in and play now. Mm-hmm. I think there's good talent coming back, uh, but it's I don't know if there's a, a true difference maker I don't know if the depth is in, uh, where you want to be. To where, if you lose a guy, you're okay. There's some bodies there that are got some. T- Howard Cross obviously had a very good season for Notre this year. I mean, I would argue was their best defensive tackle for most of the year when you consider that Jason Yule was banged up and missed some time. I mean, you know, Jason was the flashiest. Howard was the most steady because he was on the field more often. He did miss one game as well, but he was very steady. Uh, you know, case could be made that he was he was there. I think that. You're going to lose Jason Adamiola. You've already lost Jacob Lacey, who was expected to be a, a key part of the rotation last next year. Mm-hmm. You'll have Gabriel Rubio coming back. You're also going to lose Chris Smith. So you're going to lose – you lost three guys from your rotation this year. One you lost early, but then you're going to lose two of your very key interior guys in Chris Smith and Jason Adamiola. Gabriel Rubio started to step up. Aiden County is coming off of an injury. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to kind of get to where he could have been because of the knee injury. That's going to be a tough one and then you look at you've got Jason Onye who's still developing as a player has some ability. and then after that it's kind of the freshman i mean i it, you know maybe you could move Riley Mills inside maybe you could move you know Alexander Aaronsberger inside but you know Ryan unless I'm unless I'm forgetting somebody and i don't think that i am i mean the rest of your depth chart's going to be the freshman and i don't know yeah. if that's necessarily where you want to do it and the other thing too is i don't know if a lot of the guys that that we just mentioned are necessarily in position where they're going to be playmakers. And now there's a name out there that we won't mention on the show, but it's on the message board uh, just because we've been asked to kind of, they don't really want it discussed a whole lot right now. The people involved don't want it discussed a lot right now, but I believe that that is a legitimate option Mm -hmm. and it's an interior guy. So I thought it was very important. I was very happy to hear that because I, there was a lot of disgust that Edge would be the the folk the position that's focused on. Oh, Diamond Heinish is another guy that I thought. Now that's someone who I've heard some really good things about from sources close to the program. Like this kid is way better than Kurt was as a freshman. The only reason he didn't play as a freshman and Kurt did is because there was no depth when Kurt was a freshman. Him and Myron had to play as freshman because there was mm-hmm. nobody else. But uh he's another guy, but just the numbers overall are a little thin. And then of course, you're gonna lose. Howard cross after next year. So I think inside to me is the more important, I'd rather go with a proven veteran interior guy that can be a playmaker and then trust that the edge young edge players kind of develop. If as opposed to only an edge player and no one inside, if those are now, the ideally you'd kind of like to do both, mm-hmm. you know, get a, get a good veteran edge player that can come in. And and if Josh Burnham and Aiden go aren't ready to take over full-time roles, he can, and then they can step into rotational roles and play. And then they can take over as full-time guys as redshirt sophomores in 2024. I think that's the ideal for me, Ryan, is an edge guy, a viper type that can come in and be either start or be part of a rotation and help, and an interior guy. But if I have to take one that's got to be impactful, I'd rather take an impactful interior guy. I think that's the bigger need. And you put that guy next to to Howard Cross with with Gabriel Rubio working into the rotation and Jason Onye working into the rotation, possibly Donovan Heinisch, maybe one of the freshmen, I start feeling really good about the interior of Notre Dame's defensive line next year, Ryan. What say you? Well, and I would
3: say this too, Brian. Last offseason you got a you found a pretty nice contributor in Chris Smith. You know, he did a nice job for what the expectations were and, and kind of what people had thought of what his impact would be, even myself. Like I thought he played some pretty good football. But the difference from last year to this year now on the interior is last year you had Jason Adamolola coming back, right? You had Howard Cross coming back. You knew those guys were going to be good. You needed some guys behind them to step up, which, you know, we did see in sprinkles with like Gabriel Rubio, I thought did some nice stuff, obviously in a backup role, but this year you have to replace a starter. Jason Adamolola is not going to be back. So there is some, que- you know, there is a lack of experience from a, definitely from a starting perspective, but just from a playing playing experience perspective in general, they're still talent. Sure. But I think the other thing too, Brian, is that there's not a ton of size at defensive tackle right now for Notre Dame, because you lost Chris Smith, who was your lone 300 plus pounder. That is a consistent player on the interior, right? You have Howard cross coming back. Who's 270 pounds. You lose Jason Malola, who also wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but he was still 280 plus pounds himself. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have a ton of size outside of Gabriel Rubio, who's two hundred ninety
1: something pounds. Unless Aiden Counta can step up, but he's had he's been injured a lot of his Notre Dame right. career, and you Over- can't assume he's going to all of a sudden be healthy and break out. To your exactly. point, right? I'm I'm, yeah. I'm backing up your 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 point on that.
3: No, absolutely. And I mean, if Jason Onye takes a nice step, then maybe he provides some of that bigger size. And that but he's thing. more
1: but he's more Jason Atamiola style of play wise than he right. is he's not Gabriel a Rubio school. or Chris right. Smith. Exactly. He's a he, he'd be a guy that you want as a penetrator, a disruptor, a playmaker kind of thing. Yeah. Now, same with with Donovan Heinish. Donovan Heinish is different than his brother. Mm-hmm. He's going to be more of a Jason Adamiola type as opposed to a Howard Cross, Jason Adamiola type penetrator, disruptor, that kind of thing. Then he is going to be a space eater. Right. And and so and, and let us be honest about some Ryan. Mm-hmm. The way that Al Golden ran his defense this year, he's going to need a nose that can eat up space. I don't like it. I didn't like how he used him, but that's the reality of it. So as long as he's going to be the defensive coordinator, they're going to need a guy that can bring some mass up the middle. That's the reality. Which
3: is why if you go sign up at the boards dot com, we threw out a pretty interesting name up there because he is a guy that has some size and some versatility. And I know there's substantial interest from his side of things as well. And it's actually a guy that I – have a little bit of a relationship with. So if Notre Dame is able to land that guy, I'll give you all the insight that you wanted to that conversation. But I think that that is an important position. I've always been on for the Viper side of things, Brian. I've always been on the the side of, for me, pass rush and the edge position is just so important, right? That I am – so excited about what Joshua Burnham can bring. I'm so excited about what Aiden Gabayra can bring. I'm so excited what Jordan Patello can bring. I think that those guys could be a really nice tandem at Viper. But what I also think that they need to do, you can never have enough good pass rushers. You can never have enough good edge edge players. So I do think that it's an important thing for them to bring a kid in. It doesn't have to be a kid that's this you know, glorified starter mm-hmm. stud if you can
1: find yeah, that guy there's sure. not an indomitian
3: suit out there
1: yeah if right. and if that guy was that good yeah he's going pro exactly
3: so yeah. but yeah but to that point there i think there is a need and there's already been a couple interesting viper types that have entered the portal that i'm sure notre dame is probably going to at least do their due diligence on at least do the background check stuff on so where they go with that position, I'm not 100 sure, but I, I do think that it's important that Notre Dame continues to bolster that position because, with Keon Keeley decommitting in the 2023 class, you don't have the immediate help from 2023 at the Viper spot, which you know makes your makes it a
1: little bit of a more of an important haul for the uh, for the transfer side. So I think Ryan defensive line we looked at. I think another. I think there could be. A secondary player, especially a, a slot corner or a safety, that they may they may listen to if it comes along, but I have not heard a lot about Notre Dame necessarily focusing on that. I think there's a lot of excitement about what the cornerback depth chart's gonna look like. You've obviously got Cam Hart announcing he's coming back. You're gonna have Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey back. If if just one even if just one of the soft current sophomores of Ryan Barnes, Chance Tucker, and Philip Riley come back, plus you get Christian Gray and, and Micah Bell, who are, you know, Christian Gray technically and lengthwise is ready to play right now. He's very similar to Benjamin Moore. A longer ver- he's longer than Benjamin Morrison, right, size-wise. And, and he's very he's not as – maybe not as explosive athletically as Benjamin was on film to me, but he's very smooth, very fluid, has played some big-time competition in high school. He's a kid that if you need a freshman to come and play, you've got Clarence Lewis still. So they're, the depth of corners, I mean, they're straight, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what what big-time corner is going to look at the depth chart at corner and be like, yeah, I want to compete with that for playing time? Hard pass, right? Safety, maybe. If Brandon Joseph goes pro, maybe. But I really think that there's a lot of excitement about – I think if they were to get a safety, it'd be a depth player, more so than a starter. It wouldn't be a Brandon Joseph type. It'd be more of a depth guy to protect you in case there are some injuries. That's right. – that's the reality. There's a lot of excitement about what Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson can bring. And there's a lot of people around the Notre Dame program that are fully expecting this freshman class to come in and compete, like yep. for playing time slash starting jobs right now. And Peyton is one of those, but he's not the only one no. there you know, so, and then of course, with the depth of corner, if you have a need, then the Clarence Thomas or somebody like that could, or the Clarence Thomas, I'm doing <laughs> it again. Clarence Lewis, Uh, could then move to the back end and, and be a player there as well. That's personally what I would rather see than Mm -hmm. necessarily getting a depth player at safety, right? You know, bring in Peyton Bowen, bring in a Don bring in Ben Minich. You've got Justin Walter still on the team as far as, as far as I know, you know, he's still on the team. And I only say that because we just haven't heard from him that there was no hidden meaning there to that. Mm -hmm. You're going to be bringing back Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts, who both still have two years of eligibility left. Yep. So, and then, of course, you've got the freshmen. If they need another player to be a, 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 a impactful member of that group, because maybe some of the freshmen are ready to play, I think you can find that a corner, in my mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. and a good. Cho- and and I didn't even mention Jaden Bellamy, who could oh, be yeah. a corner or a safety in this defense. Mm-hmm. And I can compl- I always forget about him, and it's it's no it's not on purpose. It's just there's just so many numbers. He's another kid that could be a safety, a cover safety, in my opinion. So and, and Ryan Barnes did some cross training stuff right, as well. Yeah, right. So, so mm-hmm. uh, as long as they don't lose too much from the current roster, uh, I, I don't think there's a need there, Ryan. It would have mm-hmm. to be a really special player. And like, if I'm gonna pe- like my, we had that answer yesterday. Who would you rather have, Xavier Watson, Peyton Bowen, or Xavier Watson, Brandon Joseph? If I'm gonna say Xavier Watson, Brandon, jo- and and Peyton Bowen, which was my answer, mm-hmm. there's not a there's not gonna be a safety in the portal that's gonna be better than Brandon Joseph. So, you know, I'm just kind of saying, look, let the young kid come in and compete. And if he wins the job, and it's not a given, right? The premise of the question was him and Watts. Mm -hmm. He may not beat out Watts or Ramon Henderson. He may be the number three guy. He's still going to play a ton. Mm -hmm. But the point is, he's going to come in and play day one. Don Schuller and Ben Minich are going to be hard to keep off the field in some way, somehow, year one. And I think all three of them are early enrollees, Ryan. At Correct. least Schuler and Peyton Bowen are. I'm not sure about Menage. Is an early is, enrollee as well? because okay, I know yes. you interviewed him. We'll have a story about him coming up here soon. Yep. So you're gonna have all three of those kids on campus early. Isn't Christian Gray also an early enrollee? Yeah. So yes, four yes, yes. Of your five DBs, and I don't know. I don't think Micah Bell is right. Not is, not, sh- not sure I about that. I Think he's gonna be doing track so I think, but I'm not. I'm not. He'll, he'll. I'm not sure about that one. I'll have to reach mm-hmm. out and see if I get an answer on that one. But at least four of those guys are going to be on campus this spring.
3: Brian, isn't it absurd? I don't know. If, I I don't know the answer to this, but this has to be the most kids that are planning to enroll early in a freshman class ever at Notre Dame, right? Like it is a crazy number when you think about it. I mean, just like thinking through my head, man. Uh, there's only like four ish players in the 2023 class of the 25 commits that I know aren't early enrollees, right? Everyone yeah. else is kind of set for it. Yeah. It's just. It's gonna be a crazy, it's gonna be crazy yep. the spring, man. There's gonna be a lot of competition out there. It's gonna be awesome. It's yep. gonna be
2: fantastic. I can't
3: wait. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be very, very interesting to see how this all kind of transpires there. But that's a position that a year ago I would have probably looked at and said, Hey, they're gonna probably need to go to the portal over the next couple of years. But man, some of these kids have really emerged quicker than possible. So I think they're well, and I, I wasn't expecting Cam Hart to come back. That's the other thing, too. Well, with,
3: with the depth that you have at cornerback now, plus Notre Dame signing a five-man class in 2023 in the secondary, I mean, Notre, I think Notre Dame did plan ahead pretty well at safety, right? Like, you got three really good safeties in the 23, 2023 class. So, although you're losing some depth, I don't think anybody's going to be upset with Peyton Bowen playing yeah. or maybe a Don Shuler getting, getting a role in the defense next yeah. year. You know what I mean? Like, there's got some guys that are going to be ready to play, I think, which is going to yep. be – Fun, exciting, and I mean we talked about the other day with how just talented the secondary is going to be next year, man. Like
1: everyone is going to look the part, which is yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. I gotta interject here again. Look, we love the fact that fans from other fan bases come here, but the this is a Notre Dame channel, and we want you to come here and talk about with us, but we want the conversation to be about Notre Dame or the topic at hand. I say this a lot. I'm kind of tired of saying it. So it's a Notre Dame channel. Just want to remind people of that real quick. So anyway, Ryan, let's go to the other side of the ball. Yep. Right now, linebacker to me is not a position you look at as long as you keep everybody on the roster. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good there. Yeah. Offensively, offensive line, I'm good. I don't think there's any need there. Tight end would be one I would want to assess the health of the current roster. Yeah. What's Eli Raridan's ETA? You know what's what's Kane Barong's situation? Does he stay? What's Kevin Bauman's injury situation? Mm-hmm. Right. I think if depending on how those questions get answered get answered would depend on whether or not I think they need to go the Porter route. Even then, mm-hmm. if they get a Porter receiver and and if they're able to land Caleb Smith tonight, honestly. I wouldn't use an – you're still going to have Mitchell Evans. <clears throat> you're still going to have Holden Stace. You're still going to have Cooper Flanagan, who's far more ready to play as a freshman than Mitchell Evans was physically as a blocker. Yes, yes. He can come in and help you out as a freshman. And you're going to have Eli Reardon back at some point, whether it's in you know August for fall camp or in September or October. You're going to get him back at some point. Mm-hmm. You're going to be fine at tight end. Even without Michael Mayer, I don't think you need a six tight end when you're going to be that loaded at receiver. I think you're just uh, look, I know Tom Reese loves 12 personnel. The, the a, a Holden Stace, uh, Mitchell Evans, Cooper Flanagan, and once Eli Raritan comes back, and, and if you have Kane Barong, you know, Kevin Bout, there's plenty of options for you to still do tons of 12 personnel and some 13 personnel. But you're going to have a better roster to do more eleven personnel next year too. You're going to have more personnel to be more twenty. I would love to see an emphasis for Tom Reese this offseason to be mix up your personnel even more than we saw this year, and 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 be use eleven personnel a little bit better. And I think if Dion Colsey and Tobias Merriwe- Merriweather really step up this year yeah. on the outside, that could force Jaden Thomas inside. Now the stuff about. Him being a tight ends, nonsense. However, he is a big, good blocking wide receiver that you can use in some different ways to get teams personnel-wise into their nickel package, but then still using him to do some things in the run game that you're, he's not Tommy Tremble or anything like that, but a typical receiver can't do. Get creative with that kind of stuff. Yep. So that's why I would say use your resources elsewhere, especially if you're looking to add two tight ends in the 2020-24 class, which they are at this point in time because they're, they've they already got Jack Larson. They're trying to add Carter Nelson. I would not go the portal route at tight end, me personally. I've not heard mm-hmm. that Notre Dame is looking at the tight end. We're just kind of going position by position, giving our opinions on whether right. Notre Dame should or shouldn't go there. Yeah, I think that they could supplement sna- um, snaps to your
3: point, right? Like you mentioned, Jaden Thomas is like a wing. He can kind of do some stuff. Jaden Greathouse can do some of those same things, Brian. Like he's another kid that's 6'2", 210 pounds, and he's a dominant blocker on the high school level. So you can get those guys involved in the run game to, again, it's not exactly the 12 personnel you're used to, but it still works just as much. And I would argue that it gives you more versatility as far as the variety, I should say, as far as what you can do in the passing game with guys like Jaden Thomas and maybe a Jaden Greathouse early on. So it's going to be interesting. I agree. But I do think that there's, it's going to be, I'm going to be intrigued to see how Tommy Reed foundationally kind of attacks the tight end position next year. Cause I feel like if this offseason, if Eli Raritan was fully healthy, there was a guarantee that he was ready for game one, all that good stuff. And maybe he will be. Who knows? I don't, I don't know what the timetable is. But if he was, you know, fully healthy and, Kane Barong was good to go, which you know I know he's back healthy now, and and you had a little more. Kevin Bauman wasn't banged up, maybe the health was in a better spot that you might look at it and say, hey, you know we'll 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 figure it out, we'll be fine at tight end. But now that there the health is a question mark, seeing guys like Jaden Thomas and Jane, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Jaden Greathouse, I think that those guys present matchup problems and. You can just still do your stuff, your slide routes out of that, and different things in the run game and spread and you know, kind of shift out to a different spread looks. So there's there's a lot that you can do with those types of receivers. So I agree. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a massive need. You just really need this offseason guys like Holden Stays to really step up, those younger guys, Cooper Flanagan to come in. Cause I know he's also an early enrollee, so he's going to get an opportunity to come in and you know see what he can do in the run game. So I think there's options there. It's just about maximizing player strengths I think is my biggest thing I want to see this offseason running back not
1: a need not a need but I, but I just saw an Iowa running back in yeah. the portal Brian so we can just transition right past running back and uh, move on to quarterback that's the position where that's the position where Notre Dame's gonna obviously be involved and that's a position where it's, it's going to create a lot of the attention, and understandably so. And there's yeah. going to be some kids jumping in the portal. We believe, based on the intel we've gathered from all of our different resources, that once the championship games are over, it's going to be wild, <laughs> potentially wild. Now, there's also a chance that deals get made or pushed, and certain schools make what they need to do to keep guys. We saw a report today, Ryan, that you sent me, that, uh, that Tyler Van Dyke, a player from Miami, who I was definitely on my radar, uh, as a, a potential portal guy had announced that he was going to stay at, uh, you know, uh, sources have said that he's going to stay in Miami because he got a new NIL deal. So that jockeying is already kind of going on, oh, yeah. which is to me uh, uh, just, again, just freaking ridiculous. But, so that's a guy that, you know, would have been on my radar. There's, there's going to be some other guys that that happens with, Ryan, that we're hearing right now are guys that – um Notre Dame wouldn't really, with a lot of those, wouldn't really necessarily be in that conversation. So right. let's look at some guys that, number one, we that are on the portal, and we'll kind of go bottom to top and kind of give our opinions on on them as players and, and the fit at Notre Dame and, and what we've heard about if there is an interest on Notre Dame's part. And we'll begin with a kid that's in the portal from Georgia Tech, Jeff Sims. Who has entered the draft the transfer portal? He's a guy that's a very popular name in Notre Dame circles. For some reason, I'm not quite sure what the connect. I'm not saying this in the critical of his talent, but like, I don't know why he's the name that initially attracted so much discussion. May other than maybe he was first, but he's obviously a name that a lot of people are are in- intrigued by. Ryan, um, big arm, athletic, not a fit at Notre Dame, uh, and and from talking to sources, I don't see Notre Dame. I don't see Notre Dame making any kind of move in that direction for Jeff Sims. I do not see that happening once the portal opens up.
3: Yeah. I mean, he was an interesting player to me early on because I I get, I think that sometimes you try to overcorrect things, right? You're like looking at, and you're like, Oh, this quarterback position needs kind of an injection of more talents. Right. So then your mind goes to, well, who's the most talented guy out there, right? And I think that might be Jeff Sims, if we're talking about just pure arm strength and athleticism. The kid's a really talented kid. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you 100% in the sense that I do not think he fits the system that Notre Dame wants to run. No argument there at all. And, you know, we've heard some things that might be behind the scenes that may also make it a great fit overall. So it makes sense that – yeah. Notre Dame would not be a suitor. I think in the right system with the right coaching staff, Jeff right. Sims could be a really dynamic football player. Just unfortunately, the fit doesn't make sense for Notre Dame. So yeah. it's not going to be a thing, but he's, he's obviously very talented.
1: And I don't even think it's unfortunate for me. I mean, and you and I have a difference of opinion on him. I, I feel like if I was looking at it from an NFL draft standpoint, I would probably like him more because there are tools there. I just have never felt he's been a good college quarterback. And at some point in time, the tools have to turn into production. And we've never seen that from him. You know, you know. again, tools, yes. And you could say, oh, he didn't have players around him. Their talent doesn't lack bums. I mean, their, 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 their roster isn't like full of bums. It doesn't lack ability. It's not loaded by any stretch, but it's not like a bunch of bums. We I mean, had Jameer Gibbs the year before. But if you look at the production, I mean, he's a guy that's that's barely been a 60% passer one year. He's been sub 60 every other year. Part of that's the talent. But he's also a kid that's thrown 25 inter 20, hold on a second, 20 three, 17, 20, 23 interceptions in 25 games. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to me, the 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 tools are not would not be worth it to Notre Dame. In Notre Dame's instance, even if the system fit, Ryan, for me, and I'm throwing this out there for you to respond to. Even if the system fit for me, I still would not go that direction because you're still projecting too much. We haven't seen the production. Now, there's another kid that we're going to project a little bit too, right? So, but just to me, the difference is one kid's projection is because just of a lack of opportunity. With Jeff Sims, it's been a lot of opportunity, just not a lot of good play. And I don't think Notre Dame could take a chance on a high upside kid like that because if you are, you've got a kid on your roster that already fits that mold and it's number Mm -hmm. 12. Right. And so that's my thing is I just, and he's been a guy that's had a hard time playing, staying healthy because of his style of play. Mm -hmm. So that would be a lot of the, um, the, the uh, concern that I would have, even if the fit was there for Notre Dame, you know what I mean? So thoughts.
3: I mean, it makes sense and I wouldn't push back. It's they're all reasonable, they're all all reasonable things to take into account that don't make Jeff Sims a good fit, not pushing back at that at all. I ultimately would like to think that a coaching staff could get the most out of Jeff Sims. But again, maybe this isn't the right situation. Uh He's a kid that has multiple years of eligibility though. So it doesn't necessarily mean that 2023 has to be the end all be all. But I mean, again, if you are looking for more of a floor versus a, ceiling conversation. I know there's a couple of players that have decent ceilings that we're going to talk about, but maybe substantially higher floors. I totally get that because Tyler Buckner is a player that has struggled to stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So that gives you some some threat there. You have a true freshman in Kenny Mitchell coming in that could play if you needed him to, but you don't want him to be forced to have to play if he's not ready, right? So you do need a little bit of a floor in this conversation, which I fully... Mm-hmm. I fully respect that. And if you're looking for more of the floor play, Jeff Sims is not your guy. I totally get that because there's, there's injuries. Like you said, there's been uneven play. I think that a lot of it has been situationally dictated as far as some of the, a lot of the inconsistencies that he's had. If I'm being completely transparent there, I don't think that there's been a great situation. I don't think it was a great coaching staff. I think that there was a lot going against him, but I agree with, with you. And we, I've come around to this after my initial thoughts about Jeff Sims is that I don't think he's a good fit at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I don't, for a variety of reasons. I, I do hope, though, and I said this already, but I just want to reiterate it. I think in the right in the right situation, I think Jeff Sims can be very successful. So sure. hopefully he finds it. It's just not going to be at South Bend. So.
1: Yeah. Well, this past year, he had a quarterback. He had a, a, an offensive coordinator that has shown he can get a lot of production from a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just didn't see it. So, uh yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but he won't be a guy that Notre Dame looks at. You mentioned the floor isn't there. Well, mm-hmm. there's another guy in the portal that that's all he is, is floor. <laughs> and I mean that complimentary, in a complimentary standpoint, and that's Cade McNamara from Michigan who entered the portal. Yep, uh, I'll share my opinion here in a second about Cade McNamara, but here's the, here's the positive for Cade McNamara. He is experienced. He is accurate. He is a good decision maker. He is a guy that if you put uh, he's good. – he's got good ball placement. He throws a decent deep ball when he gets time. Throws pretty decent deep ball. Doesn't have a cannon for an arm, but he has. A, he throws nice touch. He's accurate with the deep ball. He's a guy that you have seen if you put a good offensive line in a run game around him, even within a great defense, even with mediocre receivers, he can win you some big games. And I thought Cade McNamara's numbers last year against Ohio State were not sexy, but I thought he made some really money throws in that game including some bombs where, you know, he beat Michigan early with some deep throws. But then there's a couple really well-thrown deep balls that he had last year, Ryan. Uh, this is in 2021 where, yeah, they weren't complete, but they drew pass interferences that kind of mask just how effective he was throwing the ball. He ended up going 13 of 19 for 159 yards, but they were money throws. And some others, like he had two deep ball pass interferences that he drew from Denzel Burke. Uh, yep. On top of the bomb he hit Denzel Burke for early in the game, that set up a touchdown, an early touchdown for them. So he's a, he's a, he is, when you, when you define game manager in a, in a, in a dictionary and you mean it in a, a somewhat complimentary standpoint, Cade McNamara is your guy, Ryan. Now, if, if that's where Notre Dame went because that was the best option they had, that's a solid pickup. That's an upgrade over what you had last year for most of the season it also provides you a lot of protection in case break tyler buckner doesn't take that next step as a player Mm -hmm. you could win a lot of games with Caden mcnamara they would have been at least 10 and 2 this year if Caden mcnamara was their quarterback all year you say well who have they lost to Uh, you know ohio state well i mean i still think ohio state and they said well he beat ohio state yeah but his offensive line played great against ohio state last year and the offensive line this year didn't right so that's the reality of it but they still are at least 10 and 2 this year with Caden mcnamara Mm-hmm. The, the that's the positive, and I, and I do believe that Notre Dame is doing some digging because he's a kid that this that, the, that Tommy Reese is very familiar with. Tommy Reese recruited him and, and was part of getting him to commit early in the process. That was very early on in Tommy Reese's tenure. He eventually decommitted, and, mm-hmm. and Notre Dame went a different direction, but he was a guy that knows Notre Dame. He's been here. They know him. They know his background. They know his family. So I think he's a guy that'd be on the radar. I don't believe he is at the top of the board right now. I don't believe that. And he definitely wouldn't for me. So Mm -hmm. my opinion, Ryan, if that's the best they could do, I'd be okay with that. But I hope that they can do a little better because the problem is Cade McNamara is not a guy that's going to put a team on his shoulders and make plays. And I'm not talking about putting a team on his shoulders like a Trevor Lawrence. I just mean like a... A John Wolford from wake forest a few years ago, a mm-hmm. guy that can run around and make some plays when things are breaking down. And, and that's just not Cade's game. Mm-hmm. I do think in the right offense, he could be better than he was in Michigan. Cause he's got a little, he's got a little bit of a gunslinger to him. So um, I, I do, I do like that. I do see that. I yeah. do see value in that. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my thoughts on Cade McNamara. I think he'd be a, a good option, a solid option. But not yeah. the needle, the big needle mover. He would he would guarantee you a minimum ten and two record next year. Hmm. But I think it'd be hard to go twelve and zero with him as your quarterback as well.
3: I, I think that you said it perfectly. It's it's not a needle mover for me, which is why when I first heard it, my initial reaction was, I hope that that's not the guy that they just decide on quickly and it's like that's our guy, right? Because that would be a very different conversation to your point yeah. if. You have you're doing your due diligence, a couple of quarterbacks aren't interested, and then the best that you can get is Cade, right? Like that's a much different conversation. Because the positives to Cade, and this is the reason that I'm sure that Tommy liked Cade coming out of high school, right? Is that Tommy has shown that he can win with that type of guy, right? Yes. That he can he can work with that type of player. Cade McNamara is a similar but better version of Drew Pine, in my opinion, right? They're stylistically pretty similar players. Just Cade is a better player at this time, right? He's shown that he can do the things on a more consistent basis. Working off a of play action, doing stuff, at checking at the line of scrimmage, throwing accurately. He can do all those things. So I agree. The floor is very high with Cade. Cade is not going to self-destruct usually, right? Like he's not going to cost you a football game. He's also not really going to win you a football game though, right? He's going to keep you on schedule. He's not going to be the reason the dynamic reason why you win a football game so i think that he's a good baseline it's a good i don't want to call well no i'll call it that it's a good backup option to have in case you can't land a couple other guys right so there could be worse things i don't dislike kate as a player i think that he has a low low ceiling which doesn't get me incredibly excited But to your point, Brian, you can win with Cade McNamara. There's no doubt about that. He's not a bad football player. He's a good football player. It's just I do that. There's a little bit of a limiting
1: ceiling on how good he can be, obviously. How good an offense can be with him. Agree. There's another play in the portal, and that's Hudson Card from Texas. This is a very intriguing situation, Ryan, because he is a backup quarterback. He is not a starting quarterback right now. He is the backup quarterback to Quinn, you Ewers. I always want to say Brock Ewers for some reason. I don't understand why. He looks uh, like a Brock, Qu- right? I know, right? Uh, but he looks like he looks like he is the backup to Quinn Ewers. This year. he stepped in this year at times and uh, started two games, I believe, uh, yes. three games. Led Texas to a win over UTSA when they were ranked. Uh, also led them to a w- win at West Virginia. They lost or a home against West Virginia. They lost at Texas Tech in a game where I actually, breaking down the film, thought he played pretty well. Went 20 of 30 for 66.7 completion, 277 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And then the next week led them to a win over West Virginia, 38 to nothing, or 38 to 20. Went 21 of 27 for 303 yards and three touchdowns. He's also a kid that's got some athleticism to him, Ryan. He ran for 35 yards in the win over UTSA. He ran for 24 yards in the loss to Texas Tech. He's a kid that can move around. And he's a he's a kid that that is not a proven commodity. He has started games before. He started some game, couple games last year. He started obviously games this year. But he's a kid, Ryan, that I think brings a lot of tools to the table. He's a kid also that I think uh, got caught in a bad situation. You and I have both talked. I remember you t- uh, texting me during spring ball, and you're saying, "Dude, I'm talking. I know people down at Texas." And I'm being told constantly that Cuts and Card is flat out outplaying Brock Ewers or Quinn Ewers. You know, I don't know I keep saying Brock Ewers, uh, <laughs> completely outplaying Quinn Ewers. Mm-hmm. And we heard it again in fall camp. I started oh. reading report after report, like, dude, every time we're there, like this kid outplays yours, but they were never gonna not start yours. It just you no. couldn't. It was just not gonna happen. And that's the world we live in now, right? Mm-hmm. And and I also somewhat understand it because you're playing for the future. Texas was not a title contender this year. They're Mm -hmm. making a call that the kid with way better physical tools and yours definitely has better physical tools. No doubt. I've never doubted his physical tools. My, my, my questions have always been kind of up here and, and here a little bit, you know, does he really understand and process the game? You know, like, yeah, he's got a big arm, but can he read defenses? Can he get, can he throw the ball on time? Can he, you know, do, and I haven't seen that from him yet. He's, he, he's basically a true freshman. I mean, Age wise, he should have been. <laughs> he went to Ohio State early. He should. He, he was at Ohio State as what should have been his senior year of high school. Yep. So he's still a young kid, and they they're taking a, a gamble that the the sort of the punches they in the gut they had to take this year with him are going to be better off next year because he'll now have that experience under spell. And, and I get that, and it's not me criticizing Stark at all. I understand it, mm-hmm. but if you're just going to say who should have started based on how they performed, I know a lot of people that say Hudson Card should have been a starting quarterback if that's what the evaluation was based off of. Right. So there's some ability there Ryan and and in the the little bits of opportunity we've seen from him, he's shown some he's shown some tools. He's shown some things mm-hmm. to 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 work with. So he's an interesting player. We we have been told by multiple he was a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. He was number 40 overall by ESPN, number 70 overall by 247 Sports. He was a top recruit coming out of say Texas. We have some sources that have expressed to us that he has legitimate interest in Notre Dame. He knows some people connected with Notre Dame, and I believe that once the portal opens up, that you will see Notre Dame. He will be one of the players that you see Notre Dame tied in the most. Now he's not the only player. There's people saying, "Well, it's only Card." No, it's mm-hmm. not. There's other guys they're looking at. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. But uh, he 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 will. That's a kid that they that that the people I've talked to. That as they learn more about him and study him, there's people like, boy, this kid's got some ability. Mm-hmm. And I was asked to give a comp today, and my comp is this Ryan. Mm-hmm. He, because they said, well, you know, is there a Notre Dame quarterback he reminds me of? And I was like, not one. He is part Ian Book and part Jack Cone. He has the athletic. Them. He has some athleticism and some move around and some escapability in, in a body that were, that looks a lot like Ian's. It's a little taller than Ian Book was. Mm -hmm. But when he's in the pocket, he's got a release, quickness, accuracy, ball placement, and anticipation that reminds me a lot of what Jack Cohn was. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he brings a lot to the table, Ryan. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of tools there to work with. I've spent the last two days, you and I have both been diving into a bunch of film on Hudson Card and a lot of these other quarterbacks we're going to talk about, Cade Mm -hmm. McNamara, Jeff Sims. I know he's grown on you. And he's grown on me, too, because when I first heard Hudson Card, I was like, dude, he's not even starting quarterback. Like, they need a guy that's more proven. Like, that's where I was. I was like, why, why would you push for that kid? You and I both have that initial reaction. but mm-hmm. As we always do, we're going to dive into the film. And the film told me a complete – last year and this year, the film told me, this is a kid that's got some tools. He does. And I think he also has a relatively high floor,
3: Brian, even though he hasn't started a ton. Like you said, he's a – accurate kid, right? And he has talent. So I think that there's a decent floor there too, but I I I I get excited about Hudson Card because I was really impressed in the couple games he played. I really was because I think that there's look, he's six, he's right around 6 foot 2, 200 plus pounds, former high recruit like Brian said. I mean, if you go back to his junior year of high school, Brian, and I know he had Garrett Wilson that year, right? But he I mean, he threw like <laughs> he had like 59 touchdowns that year. <laughs> Some crazy Ooh. number, right? So yeah. He's an accomplished kid, but the tools is what gets you excited. Because the kid, I mean, we, me and Brian were talking about it yesterday on the phone. The ball comes off his hand easy, man. He's got a live arm. His arm is live. He is an NFL caliber arm. There is no doubt about it. And he's a good athlete, man. I was looking up some past testing numbers on him, Brian, and he had like a. He was running like the four sevens consistently in high school as a tester and had like a 36 inch vert. And I think that pops on film. You know, you see some explosiveness. And I think he gets to his top speed very quickly as a runner, which is big, you know, being able to get out of chaos and be able to, to transition into a runner. But he's got some nice accuracy. He's got a pretty live arm. Just hasn't played a ton, right? Mm-hmm. But, again, I don't think that the playing time has been all his faults. <laughs> we'll just leave right. it at that, right? So right. I've already seen a couple of people. Uh, seems like most Notre Dame fans hearing about the Hudson Card thing, a lot of them are excited, I think. Then there's been mm-hmm. a couple that are like the same thing, right? Like, oh, he's a ba- he's a backup and blah blah blah, like all that type of yeah. stuff. I will ask you if you have some hesitation with him. This is all I'll ask you is to just go watch a couple of his games. Okay, right. go watch the West Virginia game. Have an open mind. Watch line. the Texas Tech game that he lost. Watch that one yeah. too, right? And see it. Yep. See what we're talking yep. about. Even I would even go back and say I thought against the Alabama, everyone's always like, oh man, if. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, they win that football game. And like You might be right. I don't know if you're right or wrong with that. But Hudson Card did not play bad against Alabama. He really did not, right. if you go back and watch it. So just watch with an open mind. I think there's a lot of tools there. And if he ends up Notre Dame's decision in the transfer portal, I'll be excited because I think that he has – because if you get Hudson Card with Tyler Buckner coming back, hopefully help, fully healthy, and Kenny Minchie coming in, Your Notre Dame quarterback room just got a lot more talented in one offseason. It sure did. So I'd be very excited about Hudson Card potentially for Notre Dame if that is the guy that they ultimately end up with.
1: Yep, I agree. Now, Ryan, there's some other guys that are not in the portal yet that we've heard from a lot of different sources, not Notre Dame related, that are potentially could jump in, and I want to discuss a few of them. And there's been some linkage to Notre Dame with some of them. The first one is Devin Leary from NC State. Now, everybody knows Ryan and I are big Devin Leary fans as a passer. I don't see that one. Even if he jumps in the portal, I just don't see it. I don't think you can justify bringing in a kid that's got his injury history because here's the deal. If it wasn't for injuries, Notre Dame's not in the portal right now looking for a starting quarterback. If, If Tyler Buckner doesn't have his injury history he has and he's the starting quarterback for 12 games this year, The conversation of quarterback is going to be completely different right now. Completely Mm -hmm. different right now. And so I don't think you can bring in a guy who's had a lower and now an upper body injury. The fact that this year was an upper body thing makes me really nervous about Mm -hmm. that. He's not going to be fully healthy for spring ball, which means he's going to miss some time developing that rapport with the players. And I don't think his accuracy, ball placement, and decision-making is so great that he can overcome that while missing time so as much as I love his talent I personally don't see the fit and would be a little surprised if Notre Dame made a push there and you know that's kind of some things I've gathered so I I don't think Devin Leary is going to be the option that some people think that he is and I I just I don't thoughts on that
3: yeah I mean it's it's a shame really with Devin Leary because he is a kid who when the injury bug starts hitting and it's hit a couple of parts of his body now, I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world to begin with, right, Brian? Like he's like six mm-hmm. foot and a half, six foot one, and not the biggest guy in, just in general. So right. you always worry with those types of kids about recurring issues with injuries. And he's cause when you've had a sustained a couple, because he just doesn't have the biggest frame in the world to begin with. And I mean, he's a New Jersey guy. So, you know, ultimate love to Devin Leary in that regard, one of the best high school players ever from the state of New Jersey. And he's been a, really good player at NC State when healthy. Just I don't look, two wrongs don't make a right, right? So you're you're sitting there with a quarterback that has injuries coming back and Tyler Buckner, I think putting another injured quarterback to try to make one good situation is not the way to go here, right? Like right. I just don't think that that's the answer. So put I like a bunch Devin of injured Leary. dudes
1: in the room and hope that one of them can stay healthy for the year. That's exactly. not a good recipe.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And I like Devin Leary. I do. Throws a good ball. He's got really good touch down the field, which I love, man. He throws a nice deep ball. He's got some really
1: nice zip on intermediate stuff too, yeah. Ryan. Yes.
3: And, yeah. I mean, it was just two se- – like last year, he threw, what, 35 touchdowns to five interceptions? 35 in and five, school. yeah. Yeah. He was fantastic yeah. as a, I guess, junior, but right sophomore technically, yeah, COVID, right? So – Uh, Yeah, but he is a talented football player. I would love his talent in a vacuum, but I think when you take all the outside factors, I think it just makes it a muddled type of situation that just doesn't make sense for them right now.
1: There's another intriguing name that we've heard about that we've gathered from several sources that could potentially jump in the portal, and that's Michael Pratt from Tulane. This is an intriguing one, Ryan, because you and I, I believe have a little bit of a different opinion on him. I'm not sure how we left it when we were talking last night. I think – I'm not sure – I think our difference of opinion isn't about his game, but where he would rank on our board for guys that Notre Dame would be going after, I think, is maybe where, where we yeah. were. And he's a very intriguing player, Ryan. He is a He's mm-hmm. a two-lane. Uh, he's had a really good year for them this year. Their, their team is really good. He's thrown for 2,382 yards, completed 64.9% of his passes, He's had 21 touchdowns and four interceptions, a quarterback rating of 155.69. He's a good runner. He has some He has some ability to kind of to, to do some damage with his legs. This year he has 347 rushing yards and nine touchdowns, which means in 11 games because he did miss a game with, with uh, this season, uh, in in 11 games because one thing I hate is when people are like, well, he's only thrown for X amount of touchdowns. I'm like, but he's rushed for nine. Yeah, but he's only thrown – I don't care, touchdowns or touchdowns. Passing touchdowns don't count more than rushing touchdowns. So, in eleven games, a kid has accounted for thirty touchdowns. That's almost three a game. That's good numbers. So he's got a live arm, Ryan, he's a he's a solid athlete. You know, moves around okay. His pocket footwork at times makes him less mobile when pressure comes. That's something that need to be get worked on. Uh, for an athletic kid, he takes a lot of sacks at the top of his drop mm-hmm. because his footwork would need a lot of refinement, in my opinion. Very Ryan, this is the thing you you said to me, and you nailed it when you sent me that clip, Ryan. He's got a, a pretty live arm. There's yeah. no doubt about, about that. Well, it, I think, Brian, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit. I think
3: from a style perspective, him and Hudson Card are pretty similar players, right? Like their body types are kind of similar. They're both good athletes. I think Card's a little more athletic than Pratt. But I think Pratt's arm's a little bit li- live than Card, right? Like, he generates yeah. some very easy velocity. and he I think yeah. he's a really talented thrower. And when he's in rhythm, I think he's accurate. It's just, as of now, there are some inconsistencies. And, and sure. this is one where it makes it tough because I don't think it's all on him, right? Correct. Like, there's definitely some inconsistencies. I don't think his offensive line's very good. I think his running back is a heck of a player, but I don't think his
1: wide receivers are great either. But I actually think they're decent, though. I don't think they use them well. Let me. I just I I see where you're coming from because like we both watched the Kansas State game. Like these kids are not getting yeah. open. And yeah. I'm like, but they got like small shifty guys that they're asking to run vertical routes. They're not using their speed. You know, like so I thought it was more of a scheme thing. Yeah. But when they would let those kids kind of run and get across the field, they were better. You know. Yeah. So I, I that's the other thing too. I don't love the offense it came from. They don't ask that's, him to make a lot of tough throws. They don't ask him to make a lot of tough reads. Um, the, s- the schemes are kind of blah, You know, a lot of stop routes. And, you know, I think that's kind of one of the things that hurts him in my view is he does. Whereas Hudson cards coming from having run Steve Sarkeesian's offense the last two years. Mm-hmm. If he were to come to Notre Dame, Tom Reese's offense is not easy for a quarterback to run. We've talked about this that's a kid that's going to make a really mental, easy mental transition into what Tommy's asked him to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to me, I, I feel like that's another bonus because this Michael Pratt's a kid that just isn't asked to do a lot, which is kind of weird. Now it works for Willie Fritz. They're a good football team. yeah. But then when you needed him to open it up a little bit more against UCF, you're now asking him to do something that you haven't had him do all year. Now you're expecting to go work miracles in like game nine or 10. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't uh, – I didn't love how they used him, Ryan. I, I really yeah. didn't. And he's also a yeah. kid that's been banged up multiple times during his career, including missing a game this year. But, I mean, that's part of the deal. Kids, mm-hmm. you know, kids miss games, and but came back and played fine. It, mm-hmm. it just – that's my red flag. Those are my couple red flags for him. But the tools are there. Yep. I guess for me, I just want a guy that's a little bit more fundamentally ready to go. And I feel like fundamentally Hudson cards ready to go. Fundamentally, Michael Pratt would need some work. That -hmm. would be my concern. And I also have a bit of a red flag about a kid who's starting in the AAC and leading his team to the conference title game. That's looking to transfer because my, my thing would be, you got a shot to play in the cotton bowl. Mm -hmm. What are you transferring for? You Mm -hmm. know, and that, that makes me think that what he's looking for is not an opportunity better development it would mean more of one of two things it would be one of two things number one is he wants to go somewhere that's going to let him throw more which i would totally understand because sure. they don't let him open it up right so he can't really showcase himself that i understand or it's going to be nil related and if it's the latter then uh, i don't think notre is going to be in that mix at all right
3: Yeah, he wouldn't be a fit in that situation. One thing I also do like about him, though, Brian, just adding into the talent, because we could talk about the talent, mm-hmm. right? The kid is gifted. There's no yep. doubt. I also do like that he's played a lot of football, right? Like, he's he tough. started a ton of football. He's yeah. seen live bullets, right? Like, he's seen things, because I agree, from a technical perspective, from a mechanical perspective, I should say, Hudson Card is more consistent in his drops, on his, in, from his platform, all those things. But then there's also the other side of, but there's also some things in game that Hudson Card hasn't seen yet, right? He right. hasn't seen, you no, know, I mean I'm sure he's seen corner fires and stuff like that, sure. but like different variations. He's seen the of
1: volume him. of it, right. exactly.
3: Michael Pratt's right. had more live bullets. I mean, the kid's thrown 60 something touchdowns in three years, right? Yeah. Like, he's had some production. So he's a three year to...
1: starter, Ryan. I mean, he, start, yep. he played 10 games and threw 20 touchdowns in 2010. He he played 12 games last year through 21 touchdowns, and he's played 11 games this year. I mean, the kid's got over 60. He's got 62 uh, passing touchdowns, and he's got 14, uh, 22 rushing touchdowns. You're talking about kids that accumulated over 80 touchdowns in college. Yep. You know, I mean, that's a lot of experience. Lot of experience, Absolutely. and he's yep. tough. That kid takes a beating.
3: Yes, he does, man. Yes, like he does. I, man. maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons I like him so much because I do yeah. like tough guys at quarterback. I oh yeah, not lie, man. He guys that, that gets smoked and just get up like nothing happens. Like he's got oh, a little dude, swagger to him, You know, there's
1: clips on film this year. I was watching the East Carolina, it, which was one of his best games, production wise. There's four or five clips that I maybe three or four, but there's a there's at least three or four clips that I remember where he gets to the top of his drop and doesn't just get hit by a dude. He gets hit by, like, three at, at as soon as he gets to the top of his drop. And you're like, dude, what the heck are y'all – you know what I mean? Like, did you guys, like, think you were running, like, a screen? And, it, you know, it was weird. You, you you but, know what and I, he, but he gets up, he brushes himself off, and he gets right back at it. And I, man, I would I also. At could you imagine Michael Pratt, like,
3: if he if he did transfer to Notre Dame and it was, like, his first game, Brian, like, he'd be in the pocket he'd be like,
1: oh, wait, nobody's coming? That's crazy. Yeah. There's
3: no pressure happening right now. Right, like, wild. why is he it's running like...
1: around like that? He's like, dude, I just thought there was going to be pressure. Why? I was like, have you seen my film the last three years? <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be hilarious. He, he wouldn't know what to do with himself with all that time. But when he gets a clean pocket, though, he throws a really nice ball. A really nice ball. And and he can throw when his feet aren't set too, which I think is needed in any offense really. You have to have the ability to throw when you can't get into rhythm and plant your feet and do all that kind of stuff. And I and and yeah. I like that about him. I mean, there's a lot to like, Brian. We're 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 nitpicking this game a little bit. Sure. And there's things to nitpick with all these quarterbacks, and that's what we do, right? And mm-hmm. but the kid's got ability. He's got tools. Yep. I just I just have that hang up about what the transition would be like from a pretty generic bland offense to what Tommy Reese would ask him to run. That that's a that's a yeah.
3: I think that's where the background stuff really works into this whole conversation, right, Brian? Like I'm sure if if Michael is one of the guys that does jump into the portal and that Notre Dame has some some interest in, I'm sure Tommy Reese would love to just sit down with him and just absorb how much he knows, right? right? Like that stuff
1: I think is going to matter tremendously in this conversation. The good thing is if Notre Dame, if Michael Card, or if Michael Card, Michael Pratt jumped that into That sounds like the a portal, good player. Michael Card like, sounds yeah, like man. a good player. If he jumped into the portal and Notre Dame looked at him, my understanding is Tommy Reese and Chip Long had a good relationship when they worked together and have maintained a relationship since he left. Chip Long was his offensive coordinator in 2020 or 2021. And Chris Watt, who's on Notre Dame staff, was the offensive line coach for Michael Pratt last year. So, you know, people that are going to know him. And from what I've been able to gather from the people that that I've been able to talk to, the first thing they will all tell you when you bring up Michael Pratt is that's a tough kid. And when the quarterback, when that's when that's the first thing somebody tells me about a quarterback that I, it matters to me. It does. Because it's going to tell me that he's not going to be because here's here's the other little. Thing that just cre- keeps creeping up in my head when I think about Michael Pratt versus Cade McNamara versus Hudson Card. Michael Pratt, Cade, Mac- Cade McNamara, and Hudson Card have played to varying degrees. Obviously, Cade McNamara has played a lot more than Hudson Card to start a lot more games than Hudson Card. But they've both played in big, loud stadiums and big, meaningful games and in situations where there was a lot on the line. And, and, you know, Hudson Cards played in front of 100,000 people or at least 80, 90,000 people. And, and, and Caden McNamara's played many games in 100,000 seat stadiums. And, and so when I look at that, and then I look at Michael, I, I look at uh, Michael Pratt, and I look at a kid that is talented and has all this ability and all that kind of stuff. But I just personally get nervous when I'm talking about quarterbacks coming from that level. I'm looking at his stats this year and the biggest crowd he played in front of this year was 50,000 people, 50,887 people at Kansas state. You know, last week at Cincinnati it was 37,000 people. His last two home games were 20.8, 27.3. The biggest home crowd they had this year was 30,000. You know, he had a 15,000, 14,000, 14,000 at home. You know, the best game of the year he had this year was in front of 14,000 people and that matters to me, you know, where you're talking about Cade McNamara's played in the Ohio state and Michigan game, you know, Hudson card played against Alabama, played against West Virginia, Texas tech. He's played in in a lot more football. And that's something that just for me, a little bit, just is a little bit of a concern, you know, not enough to where if he was clearly the best guy, I would say, go for him. What we're trying to do is we're trying to play. Here's what we like. And here's what we don't like about all these kids. And. You know, when I look at Cade McNamara, can say what you want about him, but this is a kid that in 2021 went on the road, led Penn State to a win against Penn, led Michigan to a win at Penn State, 21-17, went 19 of 29, 65.5 percent completion, 217 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, in front of a hundred some thousand people. That that matters to me. He's a he's a kid that you know was see two weeks later, you know leads Michigan to a win in front of a hundred thousand people over Ohio State. He's a kid that played in a a Big 12 champ or Big 10 championship game. He's a kid that played in the playoff. Now, he didn't play well in the playoff, but nobody first team played well. That's the final thing that you have to evaluate, Ryan. But that's why the toughness part matters to me because I feel like a kid who's physically tough and takes that kind of beating, what are the odds he's not mentally tough? Right? Because if a kid was not mentally tough, he doesn't keep getting up off the ground. So that's the thing you have to ask yourself when you're looking at a kid because we've seen it like, you know, Cameron Ward from Washington State. Kid puts up crazy numbers at the at the FCS level, right? Mm-hmm. Comes to Washington State, he's a good quarterback, but he doesn't, he doesn't have the it, it's a big jump. Mm-hmm. You know, now two lane to Notre Dame is not the same jump. But right. if you go watch Michael Pratt against Kansas State this year, there were throws he made two weeks later against East Carolina that he could make against Kansas State because he's so used to playing against that type of defense and that type of seed in the AC, which isn't like what you're gonna face when you play Notre Dame schedule. Sure. And that would be another thing. But again, you got to keep coming back to love the body, love the si- the meaning like height, weight, all that love the toughness, love the arm talent. I love the experience and the overall production is good, even though the individual year by year production isn't great. The cumulative of him being a three year starter, there's uh, he's played a lot of football and he's played against Ole Miss and played against Kansas State. So it's not like he's never played against power five teams. Right. Uh, so there, there's a lot to like there. I think of looking at the guys that could be options, I mean Pratt and Card. If it comes down to those two guys and McNamara, I mean you're you're going to have a good player. It's just there's varying degrees of of what I like about them, and they all have risk. That's the other thing too, right? They all have risk. They'll have risk. Another name that is uh, been floated around a lot by others is uh, Brendan Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I do not see that one happening. I don't think there'd be a lot of interest uh, on Notre Dame's end from, from I, don't, I, I don't think from some things I, I've heard, I don't think that would be the direction I want to go. And honestly, Ryan, as you know, I'm not a big Brendan Armstrong fan. Uh, I think he had a great year last year with really good talent around him and a really bad year in the league of defensively. The ACC defenses last year were terrible. Now, he has gone so far down this year, it's insane. 7 touchdowns, 12 picks compared to 31 and 10 last year. He is not the kid he showed this year. He is no. not that. He's but I also don't think he's as good as he was last year either. I think he's more the kid we saw in 2021. Mm-hmm. Kid that, you know, averaged 235 yards a game, completed 58% 58.6% uh, of his throws, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks. You know, a kid that 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 is a gamer, a kid that's gritty, a kid that's tough, Mm -hmm. a kid that can run and make plays with his legs, but just doesn't have the accuracy and the the timing or the arm to really run the Notre Dame offense at a high level. And he's a pretty turnover prone guy, in my opinion. So that's one that I don't see being an, an option for Notre Dame if he jumps in the portal. He would not be at the top of my. Now, would he be an upgrade over kind of what we saw in 2022? Yeah, probably, Mm -hmm. as long as he stops turning the ball over. But I just that's not that that would not be the. At some point in time, you've got to say we're going to settle in on these players because we can't recruit so many guys that we get none of them. Got to zero in on who we really want, Mm -hmm. and you know, two to three guys at the most. And he would not be on my list if he jumps in the portal. He would not yeah, be. It's not a given he's going to jump in a portal, but if the, right. the, the rumblings are out there that he's that there's some interest in him maybe looking around, he would not be a guy that I would go after.
3: I mean, he's a good college quarterback, right? But I honestly, Brian, I, I worry mostly about this, right? Because I agree. I don't think he's a great talent from any avenue. I think he's a tough kid. I think he's a good runner. I think he's shown that he can be productive when things are working well around him, which is awesome. That's good. But I think that for me, the biggest red flag out of just the lack of talent is that I kind of worry if Tony Elliott has ruined him a little bit this year, if I'm being honest. Right. Like he had a lot of momentum this past offseason because he's coming off of a really good season. He's he's bringing back everybody like Dontavian Wicks and all those dudes came back. Right. Lavelle Davis, rest in peace now. But I mean, he was coming back from injury and Billy Kemp was coming back. They, they, uh, Keontae, Keonton Thompson was coming back as well. So they had everybody coming back for that offense. Yeah. And Tony Elliott just comes in, and they just don't look like the same dudes at all. Pretty much did what did to him what
1: he did to the quarterback at Clemson. Exactly.
3: Like we, I mean, we both have talked about it, right? Like we don't
1: think I don't think even somebody just sent me a text saying that that Armstrong announced that he during Uh, our show that he is in the portal. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. it's so a no perfect
3: timing, perfect yeah. timing to talk about him then, right? Yep. I mean, I just, if he was coming off of a season he was last year and he had some, he still had his confidence and all that great stuff, I would consider it. I'm not saying he would still be my top guy, but I just think with this season that he's had, that could really shatter confidence, the type of year that he just had under Tony Elliott. So yeah, I, I'm on the same wavelength as in, like I don't want anything to do with that. And it's right. not all... Brennan Armstrong's faults. No, it's it's not. Partly because of what just happened to him this season as well.
1: Yeah, I just look at it, Ryan. Sometimes I think you can break a kid, you know. And the reality is, is I don't want. I don't think Notre Dame needs to put itself in a situation where they need to reclaim a kid, unless the kid is a like big time talent, like big time talent. And I don't see that guy on the board. I Mm -hmm. don't. I don't think there's the guy out there that would be that I'm trying to think of who that might be, but like DJ, we maybe if his brother was also a package deal, which somebody (laughs) said on the board the other day, maybe because at least with him, you're like big arm athlete, there's God given ability there. But even then I don't want to do that reclamation project. I want a kid that's can come in and be ready to play. Because this kid's going to be a bridge between now and the future. He's a bridge between what we're where they are now as a program and Kenny Minchian and C.J. Carr. That's what the quarterback in this class needs to be, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so I just – I don't think you can take that risk. Even if you thought he could potentially get back to being the guy he was in 2021, which I don't think he is. I think he's in between that and 2020. Good player, 25 touchdowns, 10 picks, good runner. Not a guy that's got the arm talent to really rip a team up that's good, in mm-hmm. my view. That's kind of how I see that. But he's not what we saw this year, Ryan. It, it is sad what yes. that guy did to that team. Mm-hmm. It is really sad what he did to that team. And he made – because I, I don't know if you agree with this, Brian,
3: but I thought in 2021 – Brennan Armstrong has a little bit of gunslinger in him at times, yeah. you know, like he's a little bit of off script and let's, you know, work. Towards 2020 free... he was that way too, Ryan. I don't exactly. know how much
1: of you saw him in 2020, but he mm-hmm. he put up some numbers down the stretch in 2020 now. I mean, yeah. and it's, I mean, that, it's that gunslinger mentality that you're yeah, talking I about. I mean, he would stick
3: in the pocket and he would stare down the, the gun barrel or he would get out of structure and make some plays off script. And there was a lot to like about Brennan Armstrong, but I think that this year is one of those years where – Maybe you take that. Maybe they took it away from him, you know, and they made him a little. I mean, because let's be honest, man. If you just had a season that Brandon Armstrong had, which was not all his fault, some guys would be gun shy. It's possible, right? And it's it's sad because that's not how Brandon Armstrong operates, right? Like he's never been a guy that's like three step, get the ball out, quick game. Like that's not him. That's not him. Mm-hmm. So I would also argue that I don't think Brandon Armstrong's a great fit into Tom Thibodeau's offense. I think it's okay. No. DGOE lay, I think is a terrible fit in the top of East's of offense. Yeah. I don't think that one makes any sense no. at all. So,
1: no, Ryan. I think the thing with Brendan Armstrong too is this is going to sound bad, but he's a lefty, and that that has to be taken into consideration mm-hmm. when you're talking about a guy that's coming in for one year. And the reason I say that that's a genuine thing because the ball is different coming out of the hand of a lefty than a righty. It Spends spins there. the opposite direction. It yeah. tails, and I mean it's catching catching from a lefty is not a It's just not a normal thing. And also from a coaching standpoint, you got to completely rethink your thought process in regards to protections and different things like that. And again, if you're talking about like three or four kids that are really similar in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you've got to start finding out the differentiators. And that's one for me that, that it may sound crazy. I'd recruit a high school kid that was a lefty. I think the only way I'd recruit a college kid who was a lefty is if it was like a kid who was like a Tua, he'd have to be really good. And I just don't think Brendan Armstrong fits into that that category. I hate lefties. Of, I hate lefties. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I when, when I used to
3: coach track and field at, for discus? Like I had a lefty one year, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to teach myself now. I have to like rethink every muscle memory thing. <laughs> Make it. Oh, no. I hate lefties. I hate
1: them. Yep oh my goodness oh yeah that was i'm sorry that struck me it's funny i hate lefties
3: my father-in-law is actually a lefty so i guess i shouldn't say yeah. that but yeah. yeah
1: yeah i hate lefty quarterbacks uh i don't hate lefties yes. my wife my mother my grandmother are all lefties so uh i, I love i love them but uh yeah so anyway <laughs> moving on before i get in trouble <laughs> someone said Malik is pissed <laughs> yeah Exactly, exactly, um, but that's what I said. Is I'd recruit a lefty out of high school because it takes t- you get time to get used to that. The players had time to get used to that. Uh, plus, Malik threw so hard you didn't have any choice but to catch it. <laughs> so that's the other thing. It, it gets um, stuck in. Um... What was what was it
3: neces was it n- unnecessary roughness? What was was Paul Blake roughness. necessary yeah. roughness when he hit when he hit the guy and it's stuck yeah. in the helmet? Yeah.
1: Don't throw yeah. it the stone hands. <laughs> yeah, well at least he caught it. Yeah. That's what he said because he like dropped like ten straight balls. Well, at least he caught it. Yeah, uh, it's funny as he went and played that guy that that played that character went and played Alvin Mack in the program. Oh he yeah, he went from playing a really fast receiver to a jacked up linebacker, and his son was a starting offensive lineman for Ohio State recently. White Davis. So very yes. fascinating. Yeah. But he went from, it's funny how, cause Latimer was also in, was in necessary roughness. He was the cowboy. Was he? he was the cowboy. That was yeah, Latimer. That's Latimer. Uh, yeah. I go back no and idea. look. Yeah. So huh. there were some guys that were in both of those football movies, which is, is fascinating. So
3: Alvin Max, one of my favorite
1: characters ever. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yep. I also love Latimer. Yeah. Started defense. Place yeah. The- yeah. Oh. That guy was nuts. That guy was nuts. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh anyway, so let's uh let's kind of keep this rolling Ryan. There's there's other mm-hmm. quarterback's names are going to be out there. People are going to talk about Drake May. If Drake May jumps in the portal, he's jumping in the portal for a specific program that's yes. not going to be Notre Dame most likely. You know what I mean? So, uh, we'll talk about that later, but uh there's going to be some names that, that pop up that people are like a little bit like, "Wait a minute, hold on." Cuz I keep hearing people ask me about what about Drake May and all that. And I like, look, if Drake May goes in a portal, He's going in the portal because like, someone's convinced him to do so already. Notre name's not playing that game. Another guy that I've seen mentioned, too, is Tyler Van Dyke. Now, he was a guy that I liked a lot. You know, I'm very high on Tyler Van Dyke. And with what happened to him in Miami, you go back and look at his 2021 film, mm-hmm. he's a guy that I would have pounded the table for if he jumped in the portal. Like, go after this dude. Him and Hudson Card were, were as you know, were my top two guys that, that I would view as can as legitimate options for Notre Dame if they jump into portal. Mm-hmm. And he, it was reported today that it looks like he's going to, he's getting a big NIL deal to stay at Miami, which I think is foolish to be honest with you. I think it's very foolish. There's going to be so many kids taking NIL deals for the short, short term financial gain. But mm-hmm. in reality, you're sacrificing the potential to make a lot more money down the road in the NFL. Cause if you think Josh Gaddis and Mario Cristobal are going to develop you the way this year went, You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind.
3: Didn't he get benched multiple times this year? Multiple times.
1: Yeah, yeah. including after like back-to-back 400-yard games. I struggles the next game and they bench him. I would. I would
3: also push and be like. I would also say this, right? It's like, okay, if I'm if I'm Tyler Van Dyke, I'm probably not even thinking about coming back, right? I mean, for Mm -hmm. one. For two, why, why, why the push to keep him there if you gave up on him multiple times? You know, like I, it's weird. That's weird, man.
1: Well, they they're probably losing Jake Garcia. Uh, yeah. I've heard I've heard that he's going to jump in the portal. Mm-hmm. Not a guy that I would look at, by the way. No. no. So yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting, Ryan. It's going to be very interesting to see because there's going to be some names jumping in the portal that we're not going to mention today. That if if things continue projecting down the path that we're hearing are going to be guys that are going to be in there there was a name that keeps getting brought up by people some people in the chat ryan that i wanted to ask you about because i'm not super familiar with the kid okay i watched him play this year uh but i never paid attention to him mm-hmm. and that's davis Bryn from tulsa uh, i looked at his numbers it's like eh you know uh he never jumped out and a couple times i watched tulsa play and again when i say watch tulsa play it's more of a i'm working and tulsa's on the He's other right screen there. you know yeah. what i mean? Like a. It was that, so I, I couldn't say that that was a guy that I would
3: he look at. He is the definition of a gunslinger. He actually has a pretty live arm, Brian. The ball comes off his hand really well. But right. I mean, if you go back to two years ago, th- didn't he throw like eighteen interceptions or something like that? Like it was a.
1: Crazy I'll go look it up. Yeah. Tone, I only man. saw his numbers this year. I didn't look at his he, past numbers. If if he he turns the ball over a ton, I know. So this year, first. Ryan, he yeah. went one forty eight of two fifty, which is only a fifty nine point two completion rate. He had a 59, he had 2,138 yards uh, passing 8.6 per attempt minus 77 rushing and two touchdowns. And he only played nine games this year. So it looks like he missed, Mm -hmm. he missed three of the team's last four games. The only game he played in was against Memphis. He went five of 13 for 48 yards and a pick. Mm-hmm. Last year he threw eighteen touchdowns and sixteen interceptions. He had one, two, was. three, four, five, six games with multiple interceptions last year, yeah. and then in twenty twenty he only played two games. He went eighteen of twenty eight against Tulane for two touchdowns, so out uh Michael Pratt. Look, it would appear. Yeah. I mean, and Brinson, uh, yeah, Brinson, twenty four touchdowns and or twenty four picks, Ryan, in two years,
3: yeah. And he's he actually is a pretty talented thrower, like I said. Like he's got a pretty live arm, but I mean tur- that's a turnover prone kid, and there has to be, yeah. there has to be some party that's like, okay, yes, you want a higher ceiling than what you had this year, but you also right. can't have a guy that's willing to just be deliberately not care about
1: holding yeah. onto the football. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just, yeah. You they can They can't get. They can't bring in a toolsy guy that yeah. needs development. They it's, need a kid that's going to come in and play now. That's He's what they to- his tools aren't even like that crazy yeah. man. Like if you're bringing in a Sims tools is what you're saying. No,
3: like, if you if you're bringing yeah, if in a if You're bringing in a toolsy kid, like I'm bringing in Pratt or Sims. Like I'm not bringing in that kid. Like that's not yeah, it's it's not to that level, you know what I mean? It's not like he's like Jordan Love. I'd go after Bren, Brennan
1: Armstrong before I'd go after him based on what you're telling me. Just looking at yeah. the numbers. I mean, like goodness gracious, that's a lot of that's yeah. a lot of turnovers in, in a short period of time. But
3: Brian, you know my mind flutters a little bit. You know what I was thinking about the Miami situation. Yeah. Do you think that Miami makes that move to bring back Van Dyke to that degree if Jaden Rashada doesn't flip to Florida? I'm mm-hmm. just thinking out loud. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but yeah,
1: yeah, yep. So uh, I am a little bummed about the. Uh, I am a little bummed about the Tyler Van Dyke news. I am so I. I was really hoping that he would give Notre Dame a look. I, I like I said to you before. I, him and him and Card were my top two guys. And I know you're not as high on him from an NFL draft standpoint, but his 2021 film was really, really good, in my opinion. And you talk about the production that that the other kids didn't have, Ryan. The Mm -hmm. one thing about Tyler Van Dyke is if he can be the guy at my – and now, again, what's the concern? It's a bit of that reclamation aspect I just talked about because of the beating he took this year. Mm -hmm. You know, and he threw for 1,800 yards, 10 touchdowns, five picks – but he had a couple games there. His last two games before kind of getting benched against Duke, he threw for 496 yards and three touchdowns against North Carolina, 351 yards and two touchdowns against Virginia Tech. He didn't have a lot of help this year either. I mean, mm-hmm. the the around him was bad. But last year he started eight games, or nine games basically. And in those nine games, he threw for 2,931 yards, 25 touchdowns, and six picks. Mm-hmm. And at a QB rating over 160. like the production was really good. Now, again, ACC wasn't good. It's what I just said about Brennan Armstrong, but much better touchdown to turnover ratio than what Brennan Armstrong had as well. So, and I think he'd be a great fit for Tom. That's the thing is I think Hudson card of all the kids we've talked about, I would argue that Hudson card and Brennan and, and Tyler Van Dyke are probably the two best fits for the different types of offenses we've seen from, from Tommy Reese, right? Like Hudson card is a little bit kind of like what the Ian book offense would look like, but maybe with better natural passing instincts, Tyler Van Dyke would be able to do a lot of the things that we saw from the Jack Cone version of the offense, sit back and rip a team apart, not a real mobile guy. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the, those are the two that I, that I think would fit. I think Michael Pratt would as well, just physically. It's just, yeah. The read part. I've seen those two kids make real complicated reads and run you know, systems where they've got to go through full field reads. I haven't really seen that from Michael Pratt a lot. That's my only drawback on Michael Pratt in regard to fitting into Tom Reese's offense. Physically he does. Yeah. It's that, it's that other part. So what are your thoughts on that, Ryan?
3: Well, I, I think that Tyler Van Dyke would have been a great fit into Reese's offense. I mm-hmm. mean, we talked about that yesterday as well, before he came out that he was going back, to you yeah. know, going back to Miami. I would argue that he's the best fit, I think, stylistically to Tommy Reese. I do think yep. that Van Dyke would have made a whole lot of sense, right? But to your point, and I've already talked about this a little bit, so I don't want to, you know, kind of reiterate everything, but I think that there are some parallels to talent like from a physical perspective between Pratt and to Hudson Card. I think that they have similar statures. I think they're similar-ish athletes. I think that arms arm-wise, they have arm, both have good arm strength, plus arm strength in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I think they would both fit fine. But if we're just talking about a guy that would have purely fit the offense the best, I think that Tyler Van Dyke would fit very well. And yeah. I actually think Cade McNamara would be a good fit stylistically. Yes. It's a, oh, what
1: Tommy wants to do. Cade McNamara would fit it great. It's just he would have a few more lim- That's a good point. Kate, you're correct on that. Cade McNamara would fit it maybe better than anybody. It's just he lacks the – physical tools to kind of take it to the next level upside yeah yeah that would be the that would be the, the drawback but that's a good point just mentally what he came from yes that's a really good point it's a really good point there's also this one rumor floating around ryan and mm-hmm. uh we've heard about uh, darren nisley asked what about sam hartman Any truth to the rumors he will enter the portal So what I can report to you, Ryan, and I believe you've heard the same thing, is that there is definitely a thought about him entering the portal. Mm -hmm. And there are some schools that are interested in him. I would imagine Notre Dame would at least kick the tires, but I don't don't think that would be a huge priority for a couple reasons. Number one, a little bit of injury history there, too. I'm not even talking about the issue he had this year, which was more medical as opposed to an injury. It's a mm-hmm. di- completely different thing that I don't really care to get into. You know my you know my stance on that one, Ryan. But for me, this is my this is Brian Driscoll's opinion, not Notre Dame's. I don't know what anyone at Notre Dame thinks about Sam Hartman. My opinion, he'd be way down on my priority list for two reasons. Number one, very turn and I think we talked about this yesterday, right? Very turnover prone in big games, mm-hmm. real turnover prone in those games. And number two, the very definition of product of a system. His production comes from the system he's in much more than his ability, in my opinion, and does not fit at all what Tommy Reese would want to do. Tommy Reese needs a decision maker, a sit in the pocket, be accurate. And that is, to me, not saying he's an RPO quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I don't, uh, the productional interest people, it will. But the fit and the skill to me is not something I'm in love with, Ryan. And so I would not go that direction personally. We talked about it yesterday.
3: It's not someone that I would be super interested in either. And everything you said, I agree with. Also, I think that, I mean, Notre Dame fans have been complaining about, you know, the ability to push the ball down the field and be dynamic with, you know, the, the, from a throwing perspective. I definitely don't think Sam Hartman's that guy, you know, in, in Notre Dame system. I think that he would struggle to push the ball down the field and create explosive plays. Cause I just don't, just don't think he has a very strong arm. I don't, I think there are limitations to what Sam Hartman can bring to an offense in wake force offense. It's awesome, man. Really mm-hmm. good player. Great college quarterback for that system. But for what Notre Dame is trying to do, I just don't think that he brings anything dynamic to the table. That's going to make you just get excited about, I mean, what I know, yeah. Would I hate him? I I mean, no. I mean, he's a good player, but it's not. I just don't think he takes you to that next level. I just don't think he does.
1: Agree. Ryan, there's another quarterback that I do not believe is in the portal that I know you like that would be Mm -hmm. a guy that would – I watched him on your recommendation and would be a, if things don't go right with your top group, a guy that I would definitely look at, and that is Curtis Rourke from Ohio. Now, again, I don't know – I don't believe he's in the portal, Ryan, right? correct? Yeah, I don't but think so. He's a big 6'5, 215 pound, pretty good football player. Mm-hmm. Not quite the upside and talent of other guys, but a kid that when I watched his film from, at Ohio this year, I'm like, now that's a kid that I would have on my radar if I missed out on some other guys that I think could sure. fit Tom Maurice's offense, has experience, low turnover guy that would be a have a chance to be a pretty good football player, in my opinion.
3: Well, the tough part about Curtis Rourke because he is a good football player and he's having a really nice season for Ohio. He did get injured down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure exactly what the injury. He missed was. the last game
1: against Bowling Green. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So he's missed that game. I know he's going to miss the bowl game as well mm-hmm. due to the injury. But he's the younger brother of Nathan Rourke, who I'm sure a lot of people remember. That name was a star dual threat quarterback at Ohio, and now is actually one of the better quarterbacks in the CFL. Because or Canadian born Curtis is a lot bigger than his brother. His arms a lot more live than his brother throws a very catchable ball. I think the ball gets, he gets the ball out on time consistently. Decent athlete too, Brian. Like he's not a bad athlete at all. He can do enough stuff in the zone read game to kind of get you to get you, you know, feel good about it. But I mean, obviously coming off the injury, he also missed basically all of 2020 you know, with with COVID, with the COVID stuff. And then 2021, I think he was limited to a a number of football games as well with an injury. So he's been banged up a little bit. I do think he's talented though. And I think he's Mm -hmm. a good player. And, you know, if you could guarantee me the health was fine, like I would I would give him a look. I'm not saying he'd be at the top of my pecking order, but I would definitely do my background research on Curtis. So Mm -hmm. he's a good player. I don't know if he's definitely going to enter the portal, but he's a guy that I've heard some whispers about and he's he's definitely talented enough to at least get a mention for
1: sure. Yeah, Right. of the other quarterbacks that you see that you would look into that you would say, Hey, look, this is a guy that is either in the portal that I like, or a guy that you hear might be in the portal that you like that you just at least keep an option on. I think we've discussed the ones that would be the more legitimate options or not. And I think yeah. to sum up, I think that if if they enter – when they enter the portal or if they enter the portal because, you know, Hudson Card is going to enter, but it's – obviously the portal doesn't open up till I think, Monday, right? I think it's uh, Friday. McNamara, right? What's yeah. that? I think it's Friday, the portal. This system. Friday? Like, so I tomorrow? Think. I okay. think so, yeah. So uh, so tomorrow, it's great. I thought it was Monday. But so tomorrow you're going to have Card, you're going to have Sims, you're going to have McNamara for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's some other guys who may, but some of these guys like – Pratt's not going to do it till after the game, if at all. Yeah. Drake yeah. May wouldn't do it till after the game, if at all. Uh-huh. You know, all those kids aren't going to do anything until after the game. To me, my group would be of guys that are in or may go in would have been uh Card and Van Dyke and Pratt is my mm-hmm. top group. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, obviously Van Dyke right now looks like he may not enter, but y- you know, things can change, right? Who knows? Things can change. But, that would be, would have been my group, and then Devin Leary is probably not on the board for me anymore after after some things that we've learned. Uh, Jeff Sims is not on the board for me. Sam Hartman would not be on the board for me. The other guy that I would look at is I would I would have a conversation with with Cade McNamara would be the other one. That's where I would be at quarterback wise right now, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably would not spend a lot of time on Brendan Armstrong. That's just me. What where where is kind of would all of it rank for you right who would be your if you were in notre dames if you and i were advising notre dame which we're not but if we were yeah i just said who i where i would do i'd van dyken card that's my group pratt next and then mcnamara after that what would what would it look like for you
3: well with 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 our knowledge that as of now, Tyler Van Dyke is not planning to enter the portal. My top group Let's just would say be, he's still in
1: the... There's still a conversation of it happening, right? Okay. So let's just... I, yeah. I think
3: I would have a three-man top group. My three-man would be Hudson Card, Michael Pratt, and Tyler Van Dyke would be the top of the list. And then there would be a little bit of separation that would now go down mm-hmm. to the Cade McNamara's of the world, right? So, um, yeah. But I think that those three have kind of solidified themselves, At the top for me, like I think that Hudson Card and Michael Pratt would be the guys that would interest me the most, to be honest. But then I could could get on board with Tyler Van Dyke because I think that he fits the system very well. So I think that that's a three-man top group for me,
1: though. Mm -hmm. I got to pull this comment up because this is hilarious. There's a debate going on the board about how many years Hudson Card has left. It's two. But the debate on the board is uh, Rocket – this is hilarious. Rocket Rebound says – I heard he has four years left. The NCAA grants an extra year for having to play behind a guy with a mullet. That's funny. That's very well played. Very well played. Thank you for putting that up. So that's where they are transfer-wise, Ryan. It's going to be – the next couple weeks are going to be insane. They just really are. They really are. It's going to be a crazy, crazy couple weeks. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Now, the final thing we're going to talk about before we leave is uh, Notre Dame fans need to brace themselves a little bit for – there's going to be a lot of roster turnover this offseason. And some of it's going to be, from what I've been able to gather from sources, Notre Dame is going to be a lot more active in purging the roster a little bit than we've ever seen them. My initial reaction was uncertainty about how I felt about that, but as I've looked into it, I'm not very comfortable with it. Ryan, you know my stance. I do not believe that you just a kid doesn't pan out, so you tell him to take a hike. I don't believe in that. You recruited them. You honor that Notre Dame does the four year honored scholarships. You honor that. There are circumstances, however, when I feel like it is okay to tell a kid, it's time for you to go. If it's a medical related thing, like you're not, you're concerned about the kid's health and you're not willing to put your program at jeopardy to exposing him to further risk. That's one. If a kid is really struggling academically, that can be another. And then the third is if a kid has got a really bad cancerous attitude. And I think you're going to start to see this staff, from what I've been told, be a lot more active in clearing out some of that from the roster. Now, these are kids that, from what I'm told, the medical stuff is going to be – they're going to be a little bit more aggressive with that, where in the past they would kind of let a kid just be on the team and you know, be on, and they don't want to expose themselves to that moving forward, like that potential risk. So you're going to see some kids who've had some injury history – get put on medical scholarships unless they choose to transfer, but they won't be able to play at Notre Dame. And so um, I'm comfortable with what I've heard, Ryan, and, and things have told me, but we're going to see a lot of roster shakeup from Notre Dame this year. And there are going to be some kids that are going to jump in the portal from what I've been told, barring things changing, that might surprise some people. Mm-hmm. And, and just let it play out, right? We'll explain to you why it's happening and all that when it happens, if it happens. We're not going to put the names out there now because it's not a given that these things will happen. There's always a chance for a kid to be like, you know what, man, I was wrong. I didn't do this the right way. I want to be a part of the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's always a chance that they do further valuations of a kid's medicals or whatever, and and it ends up saying, you know what, let's give it another shot, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we're not going to put names out there. But I do expect to see a lot of shakeup from the transfer portal for Notre Dame on the outward thing as well. Which is why you're still seeing Notre Dame recruiting high school kids. There's sure. going to be a couple high school kids that are going to pop up on the radar here over the next couple of weeks potentially. There's some kids the staff is going to go out and see. I'm, I know that they're trying to keep those things quiet, some of these kids quiet, but they're they're not they're not going to stop at 27 just because they're going to keep pushing. And it's also going to open up some opportunities for some portal kids uh, to jump in as well. Uh, so I think that you're going to see you're going to see that. And I think a position we did talk about too, Ryan, is. Don't be shocked if Notre Dame goes back to the portal for a kicker. I think punter. <laughs> sure. I'm told they're pretty comfortable with Bryce McPherson. I've been told that. We'll see. As long as you know, he's got to get healthy, mm-hmm. but I don't think you're going to see Josh Bryan be the future of, at the place kicker for Notre Dame moving forward. I think you're going to see it be someone from the portal. So that's a name. Those are there's going to be some names when you see kickers into the portal. Look at their stats because it may be a kid that Notre Dame takes a look at. So it'll be I, don't, interesting. I,
3: I don't know if. Uh... I don't know if long snapper would be in the conversation too, right? Because yeah, like pretty. I got to find one.
1: out if Vincent has another year left or not. I'm not mm. sure because he's really good, but he may be done. He
3: might uh, be
1: done. Yeah. So I got to look into that, but yeah, that's could be, that could be one as well. That could be mm-hmm. one as well. Yeah. So that's uh that's another position we didn't talk about earlier that should be under consideration. I think we'll see Notre Dame. We'll see Notre Dame do that in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So Ryan, that's going to be it for the portal conversation and the roster shakeup thing. Is there anything that you want to add to this conversation before we move on to the mailbag? Um, I would just like to maybe if I could just add a
3: quick actually now. No, we'll talk about it in the mailbag.
1: We're good. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We are going to go mailbag next, and there's still a lot of portal questions when we get in the mailbag. So this conversation will continue. Reminder that tonight at six o'clock, so a little over two hours, we will have another show to be myself, Vince Daddario, and Sean Davis. We'll be getting together. Instead of the IB Nation Sports Talk tonight, we will be talking about the pending decision of Caleb Smith, a 2023 receiver from Texas, who is going to announce tonight between Notre Dame and Texas Tech. So be prepared for that. There's going to be a lot of recruiting news coming up, a lot of intel coming up, and we're going to have all of that at the Irish Breakdown Message Board. So you're definitely going to sign up for that at boards.irishbreakdown.com. It's going to be a ton coming out, Ryan, a ton coming out, and we're going to get all that to you. Also, if you can hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and share this podcast, and make sure you join us again tonight at 6 o'clock on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>